From beyond the farthest reaches of our galaxy they come. Two brains pulsing with a strange energy. These space brains come to share their love of science fiction movies. Welcome to Space Brains, the show where we joy watch sci-fi movies and then talk about what was good and what was great. I'm Surrey and this is Mark. Hiya! It's episode 68, so tonight we're talking about science fiction film Await Further Instructions. Came out in 2018. In this episode, we'll reveal what we thought about the film, the ins and outs of narrative and film language, plus a nice deep dive into a specific piece of science that the filmmakers are proposing. Await Further Instructions is a British sci-fi. It's directed by Johnny Kevorkian. Kevorkian, like the doctor. Kevorkian. Kevorkian. The, the famous doctor. Yes. That doctor. That's a it's a great it's a great name for a horror movie. <laughs> it director. is it is it's a great great uh, great name great name uh, and written by Gavin Williams. So turn back now if you haven't seen this film, and then tune back in because this is your spoiler warning. Warning warning warning. So await further instructions is basically a family getting together in Britain somewhere, in suburban Britain, uh, for Christmas Day celebrations when a alien invasion takes over and locks them in the house. Yes, well, we don't know it's an alien invasion. No, we don't. And we don't even really, I suppose, at the end, I guess. I don't know. It's not exactly explained, is it? Some sort of creature takes them over and, well, who wouldn't want to be stuck with the family at Christmas time, (laughs) just locked in the house? Well, I mean, it could uh, be worse. It could be worse. But for this family, it's definitely it, it pretty bad. Couldn't be too much worse. No. <laughs> what was your number one takeaway from Await Further Instructions, sorry? My number one takeaway from Await Further Instructions is that we are so willing, apparently, to just do whatever the TV tells us to do. TV, e. not wrong. inject ourselves mm. with... Question mark. Question Let's mark, never fight mark. again, TV. <laughs> but yeah. I, I did. I, I took took from this as just uh, it didn't come across as too unrealistic, and mm. that's what I I got struck with. This is is not the the ending, but the very beginning mm. where people were put into a, a an unusual circumstance, yep. a, a stressful situation. Yeah. Uh, of you know mis- mysterious. They were concerned, and then they're they're at this heightened peak, mm. and then they're given an instruction. Yeah, and and we're just so happy when someone takes that stress away by giving us an instruction. We can go, oh, thank goodness, I don't have to be an adult. Yeah, <laughs> that's right. And and I mean, you know, we've talked about uh, like our last film, Bleeding Steel, was. Uh, a Chinese film and the kind of culture that comes out. I do wonder whether this was a little bit the British culture because they did really fall in line with listening to the military, which was supposedly where these messages from the TV were coming. I'm not sure if Australians would follow those messages 
as no, rapidly. I think this had a very World War Two vibe. It did, didn't it? Yeah. yeah I've yeah. seen various movies and shows it was kind set of like during the, the Blitz. Follow thing. Churchill, you know, Churchill, we, and, we will stand united. And, and people would would do that and they, yeah. they have to. And it's yeah. important to do yeah. that. It was important to do that. Yeah, so I, I don't know. I feel like there might have been a little bit of a cultural part of it coming out. So was this a movie of hope, warning or experiment? Now, I did debate this one, sorry, and I'd like to know anyone that's listening, whether they agree with me or disagree. So hit us up on the uh, the old Twitter and did it, did anyone Instagram. Did hope? Oh, well, I don't know. Because maybe, maybe, yeah, maybe. Give, give us the justification. Look, I hope I could cross off pretty quickly, but what I mean is I feel it was a bit of a toss of a coin between pure warning and experiment. Mm. I leaned into experiment basically because of how you just described it, that really this family is put into a pretty awful situation. They're completely locked into this house. People do panic, you know, if they're locked in a room. So it's the same idea here. The family had some undercurrent issues, you know, previous to this get together and then compelled with, you know, not losing lack of control as humans, of course, we lose lack of control and that fight and flight sort of mode kicks back in. And that's exactly what then happens in this film. And the interesting thing is as the film progresses and they're, they're stuck for longer and the situation does kind of get worse and worse, you know, as they get more instructions, they're basically basically being told to do kind of something even worse again like there's a there's a there's now here's a bad choice and then now five minutes later he's now two uh worse decisions <laughs> to pick from you know and so it, it felt like a psychological experiment going wrong yeah i i agree because i think warning tends to more be those cases where humans are delving into areas they shouldn't yeah that's true it's, it's yep. usually that that warning is more uh, you're pushing a boundary mm. a little bit more yeah. than you should. So it's important some, yeah. to, to experiment, important to innovate, important yep. to search. But the warning sci-fi tends to be, yes, but you ignored yeah. what was sensible or you ignored humanity or something. Yep. And this this year, I, you know, it's a bit of a warning-ish, but more of an experiment, yeah. which... I swear, you're, you make a good point there, actually. So I, I, I did think experiment versus warning, but I think you've just told me I was right. It is experiment. I'm yeah. crossing off warning. But if you're out there and you disagree with me, let me know. Let me have it. <laughs> Get on those socials and let me have it. Send me some nasty messages that it was actually a hopeful story. Uh, so what was your first impression of this film? My first impression was that it was going to be a bit dark. The mm. coloration of the film. That opening music. The opening music. Uh, my, my other impression here was that there's going to be, there's going to be problems. And I knew <laughs> that granddad was going to be a problem. Oh yeah. Because. Good the old, racist granddad. Well, what's the actor's name? David Bradley or something? Yeah. Yeah. He's so good, isn't he? He's fantastic. He's, though for the younger viewers out there, listeners, it'd be Filch from the Harry Potter series. Yes. And when I say younger, I mean you're probably only 20 now. And Game of Thrones, right? Oh, Game well. of Thrones. Yeah. The old late Walder Frey. Yeah. <laughs> yes. So, I mean, yeah, Game of Thrones, he's pretty gross and disgusting and not, not, not very likable again. My, my first impression was that there was going to be a happy ending. Like, you know, you, you get those sorts of things where mm. yeah, yeah, of course. The, the main character is introduced and you sort of go, okay, like, you know, this is going to go dark, mm. but something's going to be figured out and there's going to be some success. Yeah. 
it, it wasn't until towards the end there I was going, no, this is this is like a horror film. <laughs> this is not just. There's only going to be one person standing. Yeah. Yeah. This this is going to be yeah probably Which, not as nice as I'd like. Yes. Yeah. And I think that is something we do need to say with this film is that it definitely is a sci-fi horror, you know, like it yeah. crosses that I like there's a lot of uh, horrific elements in this film. And and I think I think one way because I've looked at say story structure and one way that you can look at a film is you've got it starts from a um a low point, it goes mm-hmm. to a high point, it goes to yeah. a low point. Yeah. But in a in a um, heroic movie, mm. the low point is a low point of heroism. Mm, yeah, and then the high point of heroism, and then it goes down to an you know an improved level of what it was before. Yeah, the horror it starts a bit drab. Yep, it gets more drab, more <laughs> awful, and then it ends usually not as viciously awful. Yeah, but you're in a more awful spot than when you started from. Yeah, it's yeah. kind of like you know it's that it's the mirror image of a heroic. Yeah. Where things only get worse, and the final image, the number of horror movies. Well, what's this one like? The Descent. I think where they go into the cave. Yeah. Yep. And and you think, oh, she's finally free. Same director as that British one that we watched a little while ago. Yeah, with the, with the, the, the sort of Mad Maxy style. Yeah. Thing. No, what was it? Um, pandemic. You no. Know, yeah. The the Reaper virus and so on. Yes. Doomsday. Doomsday. That's it. Yes. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. So yeah, and that, but that ends likewise. You you go. Oh, she got free, but really, then you go. There's that ending scene. You go, is that just her PTSD, or <laughs> is she? Which which one is the PTSD? Yeah, that's right. Is her in her car, being you know having a, a horrible flashes and memories? Is that the PTSD, mm-hmm. or is it that she's had in such an awful spot that she's escaped? To being escaped, yeah, in that's mind. right. That's but right. really, she's about to be eaten. Yeah. So, <laughs> so that that's an example. This same sort of thing where, yeah. where we get to the end and you you you're going, I've, mm, I'm not yeah. really sure. I like the way this feels, but that's yeah. but that's what horror is supposed to do. It's made, that's right. It's meant to make you feel a bit gross. Yeah, that's right. That's it. Uh, have you seen this film before? No, no. This was the first viewing. Uh, I randomly picked it, you know, uh, for us to have a look at. So no, I hadn't seen it, hadn't heard of it. Uh, and actually, when I looked into a bit about this film, you know, it, it was a pretty small, I don't mean small budget, I think it had a, a pretty typical British film budget, um, but it didn't have a massive, like, worldwide, worldwide release. It just featured at some film festivals, actually, and a bit of a premiere back in the UK, Shutter Productions, um, or Shutter Pictures, Shutter Productions, yeah, I was right the first time. Very much known for horror platform, well, horror films. Well, they dedicated streaming service. They do. So I believe this film was just pretty much, that was the point. Like it's one, like Netflix making their films for Netflix. It's, so, it's yeah. Kind of, maybe we should have uh, like an offshoot podcast of horror. Yeah, well, we well and truly could. Because I, I, I quite enjoy... Squished brains. Squished brains? <laughs> Zombie brains. Zombie brains, yeah. Um, yeah, I, I enjoyed this and it was, uh, you know, there's no doubt about the horrific elements. But it was the first time I watched it. I enjoyed it. It took me on that nice ride, nice short 90-minute film to me. You know, I, I like it like that. Didn't muck around either. Got straight to that sort of you know, uh, the point that they're locked in the house very quickly. Yeah. Uh, and it also very quickly will we'll kind of come to it, the plot, but also very, you know, with grandpa and stuff that, yeah, he's a racist. The son's girlfriend is 
maybe Hin- Indian descent and, or something. And, and he's a child abuser. Yeah, and then, we're, and then we've got the family sort of child abuse kind of theme coming through, a mum that's very sort of passive on the outside, uh, very ignorant than sister, you know, and so it's it's a just, you know, a great Christmas lunch in a British household. <laughs> and, and with no escape. With Now with no escape. You're like, oh, this is torture. So, yeah, I, I enjoyed this film quite quite a lot really that way and I did enjoy those horror elements I think they took some of them nicely and we'll, we'll come back to them in a bit have a favourite um, scene sorry yeah I did I quite liked when the um, Angie was tra- us trapped in her room yep and she's like hearing stuff going on and then she's kind of probing her environment mm. like that was a, that was a bit that really I just wanted more. I love movies with exploration and mm. that mystery because the mystery is they're trapped in this house. Why? Who? What? When? Yeah, what right. is it? Yep. And then most of the action is not about that, but then there she is. She pries out one of the cables and looks at it and gets in the TV, opens the TV up. And I wanted more, you know, that, that really, that really pulled me in and made me want to watch more Yeah. yeah. because I was hoping to learn more. Yeah. And I, and I get that a lot in these movies and, and horror movies too. Yeah, you, yeah. You you get that sort of uh, what is it, a perverse desire to learn <laughs> the secrets. You know, yeah, like yeah. why is Jason Voorhees hacking people to pieces with a machete? That's right. <laughs> like, what's the sense behind this? Yeah. And I think the good horror movies give you enough uh, of a theory or an idea of mm. of what is like you know just a couple little scenes which mm. you can fill in the blanks of. Yeah, that's right. Whatever. Yeah. The the horror movies which don't work as well just kind of leave it too much a mystery, mm. and it's just a thing that kills people. Yeah, and you kind of go, yeah. well, like an earthquake. Yeah. Like, <laughs> okay. Well, you want the you want the villain, whatever that might be. You mm. know, it could be a creature from outer space. Um, you know, it could it could be something that comes out of the earth, uh, or it could be a, a man or a woman or whatever. But you want them to have an intention, and yes. so that in that that's what you're saying there. They need like all good characters. They need a intention, and that so even if they're the bad person, and so like Freddy Krueger, Freddy Krueger is always a great example of that, isn't he? He's like, oh, he was a bit of a pedophile, and then the the all the people in the neighborhood got together and they burnt him alive in his house and then now he's come back in the dreams of those parents' kids or grandkids or something. Oh, he's come back to get the kids, yeah. And he's come back now to get the kids in their dreams, you know, and it's like, ah, oh, yeah, so he's got a great backstory, doesn't he? So he's already sort of a bit of a sick person and then, but then he's been tortured to death and now he's coming back to well, get the yeah, kids. Well, and yeah, and of course, because then you just know that the uh, you want to say the parents deserve it? Yeah, there's kind. Of, that's the thing. There's really a question. Deserve yeah. this, but you can see that there's an element of there is sin begetting sin. That's right. Which all horror should have sin. That's the thing. All and horror should have some sort of sin. Here we have oh, granddad. That's that's why I loved granddad. Of course. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm going to ask you then why and is this film science fiction? Ooh, uh, yes, it is definitely science fiction because we have the element of this alien invasion. I mean, it's not; it doesn't seem to be of Earth origin, I suppose. It's not explained, but it's definitely the an alien 
life force. Mm. And to come, and I mean, what we see right at the end of the film, the fact that they've taken over everything, you know, like it's not just the one house. They've done this to every single house. Uh, it, it suggests some sort of more powerful being than anything we have on Earth. So yeah. to me, the science element here is the alien invasion. But then I think this is one of those films where it's a psychological thriller, you know, like, and so the question is, which I think comes under sci-fi when you see films like this, and we have already looked at a couple of films like this, but like it is sci-fi, sci-fi because you have this psychological science happening, you know, so you have the tests being put onto this family and all of them, you notice like the way the father responded to, oh yeah, it's the military. We need to follow orders, you know? Um, and then when the pressure, the pain points got more and more throughout the story, uh, whereas, whereas, sorry, first of all, whereas the son, he was like, no, no, let's step back for a minute. Let's like, let's take a breath. And you'll find that in crisis points, that's what people do. Some people really panic really quickly. Other people realize, no, you need to critically think for a minute. Like that, that is our power, isn't it? As a human is to use the power of our brains. So it's like, and the father kind of was reacting and then just going straight down, very narrow minded blinkers on that we follow orders and we'll get out alive. Whereas the son was kind of suggesting the opposite, which was no, no, let's keep, let's let's take a breath. We can pause, step back. He was also telling it to the grandpa and tell you know like, hang on, don't talk like that. Like, take a minute, think about who you're interacting with. You know, what does that mean? And so, to me, that's also that psycho psychology part is also the sci-fi. Absolutely, I mean, <laughs> psychologists would tell you that they're a science. Uh, yes. Uh, I, yeah, other people would argue that they're sort of metaphysics or cosmology. Well, yeah, but, you, know, you could go down that path, and that's that's for you to talk about but later. That all works a, to me. It works the same way. Doesn't that's it? the way. Yeah. What was a science fiction part you liked? Sorry, uh, the part that was science fiction that I liked here was that there was um, this playing on. There's uh, an infection, mm. but nothing is spoken. There's this fear of contamination, yeah, which is uh, it's a genuine fear that humans and animals have, of course. And you can you go onto yourself on YouTube or TikTok or wherever it is, and you can find examples of people basically messing with their pets. <laughs> where like this, uh, there's a, a great one where there's a, a dog watching the owner, and there's a bowl of dog food, and the owner has like the pet. Uh, like, like not pet, uh, like a like a soft toy dog. Yep. Comes up, and and it might yeah you know, he he mimes it eating the dog food, and then falling over sideways, and then the owner pushes the dog food forward, and the dog <laughs> kind of walks up and sniffs it and walks around a bit and then kind of walks away, <laughs> and and the, because I I don't know whether that was really a setup or not, but. Mm. It is a true thing. Like, yeah, yeah. A pack of animals or a herd of animals pays attention. Like, some yeah, one yeah. of them goes up to the river, has a drink, and then is passed out. Ill. Yeah. The others will kind of go, oh, yeah. We probably no, shouldn't drink from this bit. <laughs> so, yeah, that's what I liked. The, the scientific here is that they, the fear that was introduced here was there's there's an infection. Yeah. Because it never said, it says, no. you know, isolate the infected. Yeah. And it, that could have as easily been the pregnant woman. That's right. She's infected with another life form, yeah. you know, a, a parasite or a symbiote or whatever, probably a parasite at that yeah. point. 
but it, but it also didn't detail the infection at all. So no. it's like there was just it was playing off the psychology again. That psychology test. Oh look, she's got the sniffles. She's the infected one. But it could, someone else could be infected. Yeah. Because what if it was a bloodborne disease? It didn't and, say yeah. anything of what that infection meant. No. Like infection can mean a lot of things. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I, <laughs> that's what I really liked was that there was just that um, mind game that is it's yeah. a, almost a cult. Uh, indoctrination type tool where it's yeah. I'm going to just say one thing and yeah. let you make the worst out of it yeah, yeah it's great <laughs> I'm, you're making the worst because you're locked in and you, you've got no escape so you've got to kind of you know yeah well I mean that was the thing when they when the needles get dropped in yeah which <laughs> and then yeah the the guy what's his name um, the father uh, Nick yeah, the main guy. Yeah, Nick and, and Angie are like, you know, you shouldn't be doing this. Like, yeah. they're, they're not sterilized. This is, you don't go just injecting yourself with rando <laughs> syringes dropped down a chimney. Yeah. But, you know, that's, they eventually do because yeah. this herd mentality, other people have all done it and they're like looking at them going, well, you know, I'm surprised I've, I probably would have just broken it. Yeah, that's right. Emptied yeah. it and said, no. Nah. Yeah. You, got, you guys are vaccinated. You're fine. I actually thought... I'll it's, take my chances. It's funny you said that because actually my my plot brain was going, I bet your Nick will go up and go, oh, okay, I'll do it, but actually stomp on it because it's a good way of accelerating at tension anyway Yeah. because then the father's like, what is he going to... How is he going to react to that, you know? Yeah. We're all safe. We've all injected ourselves, so we technically are safe. Well, uh, You're infected. The, I think everyone was but, yeah. fearful of it and yeah. so it's like, okay, so we've all done it, but he hasn't. Yeah. <laughs> Uh oh. Yeah. You know, like, but if everyone's done it, it's like, ah, oh, yeah, yeah, like, well, we're yeah. all in this. We're all in now. this together now, whether we like it or not. We just gave each other AIDS. Except for, except for Grampy, who's just like vomited. Yeah, he like just crap. vomits and dies. Yeah. Yeah, no. <laughs> anyway, well, there we go. So let's let's talk about some of the, the work we're doing around all this at the moment. Yeah. And normally we talk about, uh, I guess, the sci-fi related stuff, but I've got to say that pretty much we've been working. Uh, well, you will have missed the party by the time, <laughs> by the time by this now. episode comes episode Such comes is out. the nature of these uh, recordings. Yeah. But, yeah. Not, it's, not it's, by much, actually. It's been, uh, it's been a, a bit of a slog getting uh, an event organized because we're moving towards our, our film festival in May. Yeah. So submit your films. Definitely. Get ready. Quickly come up with some ideas. Mm. And, yeah, it's just been hardcore going on that. Uh, and,. I've done, I did a little bit more of my screenplay. Yeah. So I'm I'm about halfway through the pilot. Okay. Like. Awesome. So I'm gonna have to I'm gonna have to rip it all apart and figure out to make it how, how to make it good. Mm-hmm. Because at the moment I'm pretty sure it's probably not that good. <laughs> but anyway, there you go. And yourself. It's a great idea, but I like your I like that idea. You and I have talked about it a few times. So just got to plod with it. Plod well, with it. Yeah. Because it is a learning process. I, I reckon. Yeah. By the time you've you've written your umpteenth screenplay, you probably know how to speed things up and when to slow things down. Yeah. What sort of things to introduce, and it's probably a an easier process. I mean, yeah. If you're talking about computer programming, you know, back a while ago, I used to have to work off rather elaborate designs, but I've done these things so many times now. Yeah. I, I can do it with like a, a few a bit of a few scratches on a bit of paper and a conversation with a guy next to me. Yeah. Well, that old, that old terminology of the ten thousand hours, hey, like the, to become a master of anything, and or, or just to become good at it. Maybe not a master, but yeah, you, I think you're right. Like if you spend if you spend ten out ten thousand hours on script writing, 
and you got to that 10,000 hour, you'd probably know a thing or two about getting there. Because I know my, like, in writing my shorts and writing, you know, I've done three full feature films now uh, and I'm working now on the fourth one. It's like you, I, I do think about it so much, so radically different now, mm. you know. So, and the short that I'm going to probably do now next year because <laughs> the end of the year is coming up and still haven't quite finished my last one. When I do that one next year, um, you know, sitting down to kind of craft that, it's just a different, it's, you know, because you learn. Every time you do it, you learn. So if you get to that 10, if you do 10,000 hours, hopefully you're a bit of an expert. But it doesn't mean the self-doubt's not there. <laughs> That's a whole other no. thing. <laughs> in, in fact, there's a whole Dunning-Kruger effect where as you gain more experience, you gain more self-doubt. Yes. It's a small amount of experience. You think you've got it made. Mm. And then you clock over a certain amount of time and effort mm. and you start going, you know what? There's so much more I don't know. Yeah, well, it, but it's also interesting because I've, it, and I've heard some people even outside of like maybe script writing, but for example, Aaron Sorkin, who's won Oscars, he's someone that's a full-time script writer, uh, many, many feature films, A Few Good Men, Social Network, that whole West Wing TV show, um, just to name a couple. This guy's been writing stuff for a long time, all the President's Men, and I was seeing him talk the other day in a video and he's he kind of bags himself. And he's not confident in himself and he's writing. And you're going, yeah, but you've been, you've made stuff that is really big and, mm. and you've won an Oscar and you're still bagging your writing, you know, like you're still like, yeah, no, don't, well, you might learn something. I don't know what I'm supposed to say to you guys to learn from me, you know, like, yeah, I'll, I'll, t- I'll tell you a couple of things I do, but honestly, you probably shouldn't follow them really, you know, and you're like, well, no, you are an expert, you know, but he doesn't see himself as an expert. No. So I think that imposter syndrome thing may never leave. Well, it's also difficult because particularly in artistic endeavours, there's no basic metric. No, that's so right. So if yeah. you're talking yeah. about, if you're a salesperson, mm. you could sort of say, I sell a widget that costs X dollars and yeah. I've turned over, you know, Y dollars in a month, mm. which is so many dollars per hour. I'm the best salesman you can in the league, go, yeah this is better than it was last year and the year before yeah. the year before that and you can measure it and you can sort of go, I must be good and you look at other people's in the same sales and you go, yep, I am better than them. I yeah, I'm in the top better. 5%, blah, blah, yeah. blah, yeah and, yeah. and so on. But when you're saying, you know, you've, you've painted a, a portrait or yeah. you've written Reasonable. a screenplay or a yeah. novel or something, he's like, how do you quantify that? Yeah. He's like, because there's always going to be people who say that was dreadful and there's always going to be people who say, that was the most brilliant thing I've ever seen. Yeah. And we've seen that with all these movies we've reviewed. Yeah. Some of them have had like terrible reviews. They have. And then I watched it and I thought, actually, that was really quite a good movie. Yeah. So it's that subjective metric, isn't it? That is always going to be there in art and creative arts. Yeah. I myself just, I'd said it last time, the Harold the Plumber, that short film, it's, it's getting so close. I've banged my head against the wall in the editing room. There's a particular scene that has driven me a bit nuts. I thought I had it done a, about a week ago and my wife came and I was like, yeah, I've done it. I've really cracked the and code. Said, and she sat nah, there and that she, shit? yeah, pretty much. <laughs> it was something along those oh, lines. So when are you going to start editing this? Yeah, that's right. Like, oh, yeah, this is the end result of about 50 hours of editing. And do you know what happened? Bro? And this is a really good thing for any anyone actually in the creative arts was I started explaining my the scene 
and I was explaining it and I had an out-of-body experience because I suddenly thought, well, if I have to explain it, that means I haven't succeeded. As a filmmaker, it's different in writing, but as a filmmaker, you're not going to be – the director can't sit next to the audience member and go, yeah, look, just watch this and the dissolve means this and this – you know, like that's – and I actually literally had that as an out-of-body. I could see myself explaining it to my wife, man man explaining it, and uh, and I just saw myself doing it going, oh, you're a – yeah, no, I haven't it's, achieved. It's called it. husband splaining. Husband splaining. The difference husband being splaining. the difference being that the wife has become accustomed to that level of explanation. <laughs> That's right. So it's not a surprise, nor yeah. is it insulting for her. It was very harsh feedback, and I quite often say that to my wife. Like she's the harshest to me in that way, but then it, it is actually also gold feedback because it's like, no, she's right. Yep. No, I, and it was a, it was a weird experience. So if you ever have that as an artist out there, where you suddenly are over-explaining your art, you've probably gone too far. So, or maybe you get that point and says, "Why did that person do that?" You say, oh, I don't know. It just it seems okay. Yeah. <laughs> well, you usually get well. Mm. Doesn't really make sense to the audience. Yeah. That's not going to have you here to tell me why if, that if person I is sitting can't in the set. Tell you why I think it's they're yeah. doing that. I just needed them to propel the movie or the story. Yeah then maybe I should just add something a little bit extra or, or do something, you know, have a quirky little camera angle. And then yeah. people go, oh, he's a weird character. He's yeah. just done something a bit strange. That's right. That's what you'd expect from a weirdo like that. Yeah. So, so anyway, yeah, it's getting very close. So I'm excited about I'm excited about that finishing. You were just talking about the Space Brains Film Festival launch party. Yes, if you're listening to it, you might have missed it, but... You might have also just gone to it and had a hell of a time and now you're starting to listen to the podcast for the first time or we are getting a fair bit of online traction through the social media uh, platforms from the launch party. Maybe you can't make it, but you've now discovered Space Brains podcast. So welcome, welcome. Let us know if you're a brand new listener because of maybe some of that experience. The whole point of the launch party is to actually kind of, you know, crack the alien goo blood bottle onto the film festival and say to the world, hey, if you're out there, make a science fiction film, get cracking, we want to see it and we can't wait to kind of actually look at them and hopefully include them in the actual film festival. Yes, because, you know, the French government comes down hard if you actually refer to alien brain goo (laughs) as champagne. Yeah. Unless it's alien brain goo bottle from the Champagne region of France. Yeah, I don't. I don't want the. I want the alien goo brain. I don't want the champagne. I want. I actually want the green goo stuff. Um, yeah. So that that is the point of it. So welcome aboard if you have not been listening to us before, um, and maybe from this you are. And as I said, if you're someone that really likes sci-fi, have you thought about making a film? You can go out and make it with your mobile. You can go and make it with your wife, friends. Yourself. It's easier to download the images from your mobile than it is from your wife or your friends. Yeah. <laughs> Unless you've got that science fiction invention which downloads memories. Ooh. In which case, make a film about that, using yeah. that. Yes, definitely. Absolutely. We did just get someone submit another feature the other day, which is exciting. So, um, yeah, it, it can be a short film or it can be a feature film, can be international or extremely localised as in uh, here in Mandra. Well, I know. I mean, we've we've gotten a couple, a few features now. Yeah. Maybe we're going to have to have like a, a a screening special because you know yeah. a feature goes for an hour and a half, and and the yeah, award I'd... screening, you know, 
only has so much time to put yeah. in there. So we might have to. We might either have to make another segment, but I'm I'm leaning in that we definitely will. We're definitely going to watch them, obviously, but I think we should watch them and their future episodes of the podcast. So I think Ooh, I yes. think that's what we're going to be doing, something along those lines. Maybe we should have a screening party of them or something. I don't oh, know. Oh, well, you can do those watch-along. That's right, watch-along things, things oh, yeah. That would be so, so good. Maybe we should do that with the features for this first year. But in the, f- in the coming film festival years, we might then have – space to actually just purely play those feature films. Yeah. But anyway, let's move on. Let's talk about this film. I'm wait going to await further instructions. <laughs> instructions. So what should I do? We're going to get into the plot. Okay. Okay, sorry. So we're going to get stuck into it. That's the word you're supposed to use So there. this syringe I'm putting on my arm, it's, that's just not go part ahead. of it? No. That's, well, that's just go ahead. Use it. Use thing? it. Go for it. That's what you and your wife get up to in your own okay. time. So go for it. Okay. So what we said before, you, you that director's name rolled off your tongue a lot better than mine. Johnny Kevorkian. That's it. And then it was written by Gavin Williams. Doesn't Johnny Kevorkian sound like a plucky investigative reporter on doing the beat on a he does film noir or something yeah he does and i bet you that when if he goes into a meeting he's got another film coming out soon uh if he goes into those sort of funding meetings they've got to make a bit of a thing out of his name don't they i reckon that johnny k yeah <laughs> or johnny Gavokian, come in for the funding eh just move some of my product and you get the funding oh gosh so, uh, yeah, Sam Gittens, that's as English as Sam Gittens, Gittens, <laughs> Gittens, uh, plays Nick and Nodar Nuck plays Angie, Abigail Crutatine plays Beth, David Bradley, who we all recognise, talked about him before as the granddad, Grant Masters is psychotic Tony. <laughs> or is it Grant? Grant, Grant Masters. Grant Masters? Holy Western. I don't know where my accent's going now. Holy West. Uh, Kate, I, I never know where it's going to go. And then Chris Sadler plays little weak man Scott. Oh, Scott. Scott's got a bit to to become a man. I've been watching Kath and Kim. <laughs> oh, you're such a wuss, Brett. Yeah, such a wuss, Scott. <laughs> it was a bit like that, wasn't it? Yeah. Uh, this film was filmed in England. As I said before, the box office is ridiculously tiny because I think it was just straight to Shudder's streaming platform, which are well known for the horror. If you didn't know that, go check it out. If you love your horror, go check it out. Um, I'm sure I haven't actually checked out that, that platform, have you? Uh, I've heard a fair bit about it from the last podcast on the left. They're big fans yep. because they're big horror big aficionados. Horror. Yeah, okay, great. Um, so, yeah, it did have a few film festival releases and then, yeah, I think straight onto the platform. So it's hard to judge success, failure by the box office for this particular film, and that's fine. So from here, we're going to break down some narrative and get into what we thought about some of those moments. Um, we're going to try tonight to just talk a bit more about yeah, some, what some of those scenes felt like for us. But before we get into that, we do like to consistently break down the narrative into, first of all, a three-act structure. It's very standard narrative, uh, you know, language that's been around for a very, very long time. I think Shakespeare was into three acts. Uh, and then actually then breaking that a little bit deeper into what you probably call beats or scenes. Uh, this kind of terminology comes from some really good script writing teachers out there. If you're interested, people like Campbell, Schneider, McKee and Field. That just would be one hell of a poker table, wouldn't it? Particularly because some of them are dead. Yeah. Uh- <laughs> 
<laughs> so tell us a bit about Act 1, sorry. Uh, Act 1 is where nice we and get introduced to the world. Where, Generally speaking, we're given some of the rules of the world. Yep. Uh, so, you know, is it a normal world? Mm. Is it spaceships flying? I mean, you think Star Wars, it starts off with spaceships, right? Yeah. And you go, okay, well, Okay, this is where we are, yeah. Uh, we get a bit of a theme stated, either literally or there's a setup which shows us it is. Yeah, a bit of a question. Uh, we get all the characters showing. And very importantly, towards the end of Act 1, we get this catalyst, this inciting incident, something which takes what we've learnt to be the normal state and says, hey, something's about to happen. And it it basically poses this question to us, which is kind, you could kind of say the rest of the film is going to answer. And then finally, of course, they, they, the characters have to decide to continue to find the answer to that question. They do. And, and, that, that, and that's, so they, they have a bit of a, there's always like, what should we do? Should we do this or not? Should we Fork just, in the road, right? Should we just go home and have a sleep or, you know, do something more interesting? Go on the journey of a lifetime. <laughs> and predictably, they always go on the journey of a lifetime. Yeah. Otherwise, I want my money back. Takes us to Act Two. <laughs> act Two is where mainly it's, and it, um, I think it's Schneider who says it, it's like the trailer. It's the fun and the games, uh, realistically. And I've seen this time and time again with really good movies. If you do watch the trailer, the trailer doesn't actually give away, you know, the ending. A trailer, a really good film you can tell it's going to be a good film via the trailer because it's the fun and games of what Surrey was just saying, that fork in the road, that setup, all the payoff that the writers put into that initial beginning part of the film. This is where it really plays off. And I think in this film it's a really good example of the fun and games of this nasty, horrific scenario playing out and um, and ha- where that goes. We then get a bit which is about the midpoint, really. So it means halfway through the story. This is like kind of coming over the peak of a mountain. Sorry, earlier tonight was talking a bit about like maybe things start off a bit drab and they get a lot worse and then the character has to kind of like work out how to be in a horror film, how to get out of the shit mess they're in, <laughs> dig their way out of that. And t- and typically in a horror, it gets worse and worse and worse until right at the end that, oh, maybe they just survive or, you know, they just kill the killer monster or whatever it is, right? They just get out of the clutches of it. And sometimes horror doesn't even give them that luxury. You know, when they're just about to get out, it's actually like quite a negative ending. Um, whereas other films, this the midpoint may be that, oh, hey, the character has had a lot of fun. They've been in that new job and they're having a good time and they're having success. They're feeling success for the first time, but then now the deal doesn't go through. You know, and oh. so suddenly their confidence is shocked or, you know, whatever. And so that's the midpoint. And midpoints can either be a bit of a false victory or a bit of a false dawn, meaning that, yeah, it's, it wasn't quite what they imagined. Um, so this is when then bad guys can typically start closing in as a metaphor for the world getting a bit worse or literally like in a movie like Die Hard, the bad guys are closing in. Yeah. <laughs> so they're finding out where Bruce is and they're getting closer and closer to him. Um, we have all is lost moment where literally someone or something dies and so this can be a pretty downbeat and we're kind of heading the the another analogy here for this part of act two is that it's almost like the writer is turning the screwdriver and it's making it their world tighter and tighter um their situation is getting harder and harder and we sort of have that dark night of the soul what I've been going through sorry what I said before beating my head against the wall editing a scene over and over and over 
not getting anywhere, questioning why I'm existing, why am I bothering? And that, and then finally you can kind of have a moment where the daylight breaks and the character goes, hey, actually I've got a new plan of attack. I'm going to start planet. editing this film in a new line. <laughs> I'm going to not be a, but I'm not going to go after these type of jobs. I'm going to go after this type of job. And so they formulate a new plan. And when they do that, in that real dark part of the their their soul, that we know as an audience, we're like, yeah, now they've got it. Now they're going for it. And that propels them into Act Three. Act three is the finale. It's mm. it's where coming out of the really bad time. There's usually, uh, or it's often depicted as they've got a plan. Yeah, a they've plan of attack, some sort of idea to do something, and they gather up all of their resources and they try to do this plan. Yeah, but it almost always has some sort of stumbling block. Yeah, yeah. Like it looks like they're gonna, it's gonna be cool, and then there's a reversal. Yeah. And then they've got to go, they've got to find that extra bit. Yeah, there's this a is, little bit more. This is that extra bit they had to have, you know, learnt or discovered or their growth. So they're different. Mm. Yeah. Uh, and then we have the actual finale where, yeah, I was going to say the bad guy's defeated, but mm. usually it doesn't have to be the bad guy no. being defeated. Like in this film, it's not. Yeah. But it is where there's a, a final... Ali. Yeah. That's what finale <laughs> means, right? Yeah, no, that's right. It ends. It and needs then to we, end. And then we get a final image where often it's a, a sweeping panning shot of a camera moving out to show you what's mm. going on. Yeah. Or it's a you know, repeat of the opening sequence but showing you the differences. Definitely. Definitely. So, yeah, there's a good rundown of how we see the three-act structure and some of those key points. So let's talk about them with await further instructions with that first one. So when we say the opening, this film has an opening image, which is a bit of text, which is, I suppose, interesting because there's a lot of text in this film on the TV, which yes. is which is important, right? Um, so the text to the start of this says, it's the things you love that kill you. How did that image grab you, Sorry. Uh, that I liked it because it's a cliche, mm. but it's also kind of true. Yeah. <laughs> so you know, it's 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 annoying because it's so easy to just have that roll off your tongue, but there is deeper understanding of what it means. It can imply that the people that love you are going to cause the most pain. Which, if you speak to any detective out there uh, who comes across a murdered wife. Dun, dun, dun. 95% of the killers are the husband dun, dun. <laughs> or the boyfriend or the man in the woman's life. Unfortunately, that's the sad part about it. But that's kind of what that image is almost saying, that, that quote is saying as well. So in a film like this, we're sitting down to watch a sci-fi horror. It's like, oh, yeah, this could go pear-shaped quickly. Yeah. I mean, I also like the take on that phrase that – uh, yeah, some people use it to talk about addictions or obsessions getting the best of you, but I like it as a little bit more metaphorical in that it's it's the things that you love, it's the things that you invest in, mm. that when they fail or change, it changes you. Yes. Like, so the death in this case is not necessarily a literal death, but rather, you know, you, you love um, exercise. Yep. You come to love that and... It makes you healthier and fitter and stronger, mm. and you end up um, leaving your house and traveling the world mm. because of your your increased confidence. Yep. Effectively, the thing that you love has just killed you, mm. even though the death is the death of something that was not 
what you wanted mm. and the life uh, you know it's a rebirth wow this so is symbolic. that's what i like about this because the obvious cliche is uh, addictions mm. the less so is the fact that yeah what you love is is what you're vulnerable to mm. but then i also like the idea that uh, what you love is what can transform you so completely. Oh, this is getting deep. You can go positive or negative from that. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah. That's um, so. That's what I, that's what I liked about it was. And I was thinking it was just because uh, and this movie here we're talking about families. Yeah, as well as obviously TVs or technology or aliens or whatever you like. Yeah. So the setup kind of of this film, we've got a son, returns home, he's got his girlfriend, she's a doctor, um, mum seems nice, bit passive, uh, dad seems to be passive aggressive yeah, <laughs> the, the to his son. Mum says, uh, oh, it's so nice again. I was like, it's really open and she's, yeah. she's welcoming. Dad's upstairs. Yeah. And there's that, like, that's a passive aggressive. It's like, isn't it? Yeah. He has gone... I'm going to punish them slightly by not having my presence there. And he's like, <laughs> that's right. really? That's, what are you, like 12? Yep. Eight? Uh, pretty quickly, Grandpa, in this 10 minute, this first sort of set, set up in this first 10 minutes, Grandpa reveals that he's that old school racism. I was a military policeman and, you know, we've we got to stop letting in the bloody, uh, you know, the foreigners. What, what do you say? Uh, Ahmed Charlie or something funny <laughs> something and, like uh, that yeah I don't even know where to, it's like this is the problem is if I was trying to write a character like this I don't know what I'd have to go do some research to find out what some of these old fashioned funny names for he, I mean he, look he didn't say I've, I've I mean we've heard worse of course but um, yeah I mean straight away he was very you know and he's there on the TV watching oh, the news and, and, you and know, he's a shit stirrer yeah yeah and he's you can see whenever he'd say these things he'd look around yeah and like, like have what's smirk, around like, that's right know, what you're gonna do about it you know yeah like, um, the sister and her partner husband I'm not sure uh, Kate and um, Scott they rock up she's pregnant so kind of I was like ooh there's a bit of a time clock there you know like they're throwing in a baby um, so you're kind of seeing that because uh, I think she says, oh, I'm due in two weeks. So I'm like, oh, okay, whatever's going to happen in this story, is she going to have to give birth, you know, straight away, isn't it? It's a yeah, time, yeah. pregnancy, pregnant women, it's always a, it's a clock, really. It's a, it's it, a biological clock. And it's also clock. That, that threat. Threat, it's, yeah. That, because, yeah, so a mugger breaks into the house and starts punching people. Yeah, she's pregnant. Yeah, you, know, yeah. you sort of immediately go, okay, she's going to fall down the stairs. Yeah, like, that's, that's, right. just, that's just what happens. And indeed, uh, we, we get something along those lines here. There's this power play. It's a bit underhanded from the, the shit-stirring grandpa uh, with, he, with his son, the father. Um, there's a moment there where, uh, and I feel like this is actually when the theme happens, sorry, yeah. and um, the son looks at the Christmas tree and he goes, oh, it reminds me of that Christmas. Do you remember that... Uh, where we had no power, and it's interesting they're talking about no power because yeah. you know they're, what is going to happen to their house. But it's a good bit of foreshadowing there. Yeah, no power, um, and that's when it was good. Yeah, yeah so, and that's when it was good, Dad. But they, so he's having a nice moment, and actually the father comes up and is like, "Yeah," and he, he you notice he passed the remote to Grandpa. He kind of know this is a father son moment, mm. but then the son really does diss him, yeah. you know. And so there's that. There's, so there's a bit there, and it's like the father son are not friendly there's issues there's past issues going on there the son disses him that time and then the grandpa's like oh it, it's good that he likes his fairy likes he's a fairy lights he's a 
bit of a pansy because of the way you yeah. brought him up, not the way I brought you up. A few good slappings yeah. would set him right, eh? Yeah, never did you any harm. Squelcher, like, he could start, he's got he got the and the you know he the father sort of swallows that. So the whole point of saying this anyway is that there's this real undertone here in this family of you know there's there's they're not the best of friends. There's there's issues going on there. The the grandpa's racist. He's clearly racist. You know he's outspoken racist, and that happens a couple of times in that in that opening scene. Um, but yeah, it's a, it's a kind of a, a very clear. And so to me, that little moment is, you know, this family issue is the theme of this film, you know, like the, like what's the best way to be a parent is kind of a bit of a question in this film, I think. And, um, that comes back, you know, even though this is a horror sci-fi, there's a very clear thematic issue that the writer is putting in this story and, and they're dealing with, I think, you know, father, son relationships, the power struggle, you know, and uh, I think on if you stepped back, at the theme is kind of power, right? But I think it's actually like family power. You know, yeah, where, where where do you place your power? Yeah, where do you and, and how authority from? Yeah. That's and maybe what is the right type of power? You know, because then in the course of the story, the father goes hard and fast, quick, but he but which doesn't equate to a good thing. If maybe if they had sat back and been critical th- thinkers, they would have overcome the alien. Mm. Much faster, so yeah. So that's the setup to me. Um, how was the setup to you? How did you think? How did that make yeah, you feel? Uh, well, knowing that this was uh, await further instructions, you know, like it sort of got the idea. Seeing these people all come into a house and they're all at each other's throats, yep. like the the brother and the sister are at heads with each other constantly. She keeps saying, "What well, you you think you're so clever?" Yeah. And it, my only response to when people say that is. The fact that you said that means, yes, I am more clever than you. <laughs> because if you were smart enough, you would realize that, in fact, there wasn't a difference. Yeah. But since you're so anxious and, and concerned mm. about it, then clearly, yeah, yeah. yes, I am more clever. <laughs> uh, but anyway, that would have just been me talking to my brother or sister to goad them into uh, <laughs> further anger <laughs> that's because right. that's what we do. That's what siblings do, don't they, yeah, to each so other? We, yeah. we know the buttons to push. Yeah. But, yeah, so I could see that yeah, there's this just a seething a hot pot yeah waiting to bubble over mm. and when nick said oh we're just gonna leave now mm. i was like like that was one of those things where you go you really probably should yeah yeah you, you should yeah i know that this film's not going to get better yeah. at this stage <laughs> yeah but then they go oh, we'll wait to early morning yeah and then go and you're like okay it's a bit fateful and already you can see you just know from that setup Oh, there's bad things going to happen. Like, yeah, yeah. Like this isn't going to be about uh, an external force destroying people. No. This is going to be about the family tearing itself apart. Yeah. Which, yeah. man, well, I suppose it does, doesn't it? Yes, it does. <laughs> um, so you, you, you've just said they plan to leave in the middle of the night or early morning, whatever. And this to me is the catalyst, all right? So the catalyst is the fact that they're going to leave and what do they discover, sorry, when they get out of their beds and they're heading downstairs? Oh yeah, well, I mean, I I thought that yeah, I, I would have moved the cow straight to the black covering over the door. Yeah, that's what I mean. Yeah, yeah. This is, so yeah. yeah, that is the catalyst. Yeah, yeah. so they're stuck. Down. He opens it up and they go, oh, yeah, can't get out here. Yep. And then of course, rather than just uh, can't get out here, go around. I would go back up to bed and sleep. Everyone gets woken up and yeah. starts coming down one by one. Yeah. What's this, wrong? The same question. What? This is ridiculous. Yeah, yeah. Am I the only person here who's not stupid? Yeah. And you're like, 
Have you tried the back door? <laughs> yeah, like really you, th- you yeah. Th- think? Yeah. Okay, well, whatever, you know. So the catalyst is the fact that they're locked in this house. There's this weird black wiring, uh, organic matter. What I don't know, it's hard to describe, but it, it, to me, I suppose it's like HDMI cables, you know, just tons and tons of HDMI cables, but really strong, uh, banded together somehow. Uh, and it's covering the front door, it's covering the windows. So essentially the catalyst is this family with all their issues is now trapped in the house. And we clearly see that. They run to a few of the windows, they open up the curtains. It's, you know, it's what a film needs to do. Um, and so what do they decide to do? Sorry, bang it with a hammer. Well, yeah, what well, else do they try well, to do? Well, this is Nick because he's, he's the hero of the story. Yep. So he is the only one who's going to take... Um, clear action. Clear action, real yeah. real action. Because his intention is to get the hell out of Dodge. Yeah, he's like, <laughs> so he, he goes into the garage. I'm funny, I, I find it funny because I would go get my angle grinder and... Have a go at that. Yeah. Like, I... Yeah, I'm not sure what the material would have to be made of to resist, you know, to resist... Yeah, An angle my, my grinder. My diamond ceramic cutting blade thing, oh, that would mm. be some pretty serious equipment. Give it a plug, sponsored, Space Brain sponsored. Sponsored, yes. <laughs> diamond uh, cut... But anyway, uh, so he went and got a little hand axe, yeah. which of course you, you don't think anything more of. You just think, oh, he's just gone and got it, it's sort of insert tool here to try and be futile. Yeah. yeah. But this becomes a bit of one of those Chekhov's gun moments. It does, yeah. Where and and it was really well done because I didn't immediately spot it mm. as the Chekhov gun because mm. you, and for those who are uncertain, that is um, this. Alexander Chekhov. I think that's right. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. Actually, who's a playwright, and he basically he he made some statements like, you, "If you're going to show a gun by the in in Act One, then it will be fired by Act Three. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and really, what he's talking about there is just that you don't just put spurious details in which don't have some mm. sort of relevance. Like yep. they either need to explain a relationship, yeah, or set up a, a scene. You know, like so for example. You have the news articles on the TV. Yeah. It's just not random news articles. No. It was like a stabbing, which could have been a terrorist attack. Yeah. There was reported power glitches. Yeah. You know, which without the the context, it just does look like someone's flicking through looking yeah. at the normal news. It's why I don't watch the news because <laughs> that's the sort of stuff that's on there. And yeah, it, yeah. it just it's no good. But you you know that it it had it's a all deliberate B roll to randomly to, choose no, video clips. No, no. And likewise, he's got the axe and he goes hammering around it. Yeah. I didn't pick that that was going to be important because I thought that was just the tool to show they've tried to break out. Something, yeah, it was something really hard. This is yeah. the best they could do. Can't yeah. do it. Yeah. Um, so that was quite good. And so yeah, so that that leads to me to did you what do you think the thesis then is being set up? What's the question of this film then? Yeah, well, I think so because it was power disturbances in the night. Before Nick went creeping down, there was like TV flicker, power flicker, and there, there had been some news articles about um, power disturbances yeah. and so forth. And so immediately before the blockage was found, mm. I was sort of thinking, that's creeping doom. You know, yeah, that's, yeah. It's something sneaking up on us. Yeah. And now we're seeing it. In this house. Yeah, and you notice that there was actually a handheld shot. So there was a bit of a power disturbance. Yeah. And there's a handheld shot that went past Grandpa. And it had the eerie music. And it's handheld. Handheld shots always indicate like point of view, like something, like a someone. Yes. Right? 
I didn't notice. I didn't think about it so much when it happened because it's quite quick. Yeah. But and then it cuts to Nick and his girlfriend like getting ready, you know, leave, to leave the house, right? Yeah. But then on thinking about it, what it, what they were almost implying was at that moment in time, maybe that was the monster, monster alien, whatever, getting into the TV. Yes. You know, which is what yeah. is revealed later in the film. But at this moment in time, it's almost like that handheld shot was like something creeping past grandpa yeah, and heading to the TV. Something so, in the house. Yeah. yeah, yeah, something was in the house. So that's the thing. I guess with thesis, you've locked this family with seething undercurrent issues. They don't necessarily get along. The thesis to me, the question is asking, will this family band together or will they destroy each other destroy well you know what i mean because it could go either way that's basically what it's saying there so that to me it was a very clear catalyst and it actually had happened at the by the 12 minute mark so well done to the writers (laughs) that always ticks my ticks tickles my fancy so then we head into the debate part so what what why is the protagonist debating? What are they debating about? What are they doing? And the question here is like, is it a big enough debate? I myself as a writer have always found the debate a little bit tricky to write um, because you kind of think, this is a great inciting incident. They're, they're, they're ready to go now. And then, no, you've got to write this. You've got to write a few scenes here where they're kind of debating. Well, this What do they do? This can be difficult with superhero origin stories. Yeah. Where, and, and it, it it bugs me. There's so many of these ones where it's like, uh, oh, I've got superpowers. Oh, I just want to be normal. Should I do <laughs> Like, who the hell just wants to be normal? What, yeah. what sort of a freak wakes up and finds themselves invincible and able to fly and they're just bitching and moaning because they want to be normal? So you, you're exactly right. The the really good example in Superhero is Spider-Man. So Spider-Man, Peter Parker, yes. whether you go to the comic book or whether you go to the little kids' books, because I've read them to my kids, Spider-Man is perfect because he gets the power, he's sick, right? So he has a day of being sick. This is the debate. He's sick and then he wakes up and he... You know, he's kind of got weird feelings and he's stronger than he ever was. And, oh, you're a teenager, you're just suddenly a bit stronger. And then he's, like, walking and then he can, like, you know, he sprouts stuff out of his hands and, and then he, like, then he can finds himself, like, climbing and and then he starts testing his powers. Yeah. So he doesn't have ever a moment that you're complaining about. He just progresses down that path of, hang on, I can climb up a wall. Well, <laughs> Why not, how far can I climb up a he wall? He sort of has like, a question <laughs> of what should I do with then, this? That's right. Then he's like, so once he grasps his power, then it's like, well, what do I do with this? You know, I, yeah. well, I can make some money. <laughs> yeah, you know, which, so, which is great. It's a great debate. Spider-Man's a good, good version. So I, what I about in this one? The debate in this is the the words come up on the screen, yeah, which just yeah. says, um, I can't remember, the, the, it says, yeah, await further instruction. Yeah, that's the first one, yeah, yes. And it, does it say like an emergency or anything? No, it doesn't say anything. So that's the good trick about this. Yeah, it just says, the, await the, further instruction. Yeah. yeah, so I think... It actually says stay indoors oh, and await stay further, in further yeah. indoors and wait further instruction. And so the debate is, um, you know, the dad but puts forward the theory, this is an attack and the government and this is yeah. going to keep us safe. Yeah. And Nick brings up the concept, well, should we, you know, will this keep us safe? Is that yeah. right? And yeah. And do we just stay put here or do we really struggle to escape at this point? Mm. And and so, and I agree, like t- there's a really good polar opposites going on. So our protagonist, Nick, is kind of rational and uh, critical thinking and he's trying, and you're exactly right, like his debate is kind of 
counteracted with the dad going, no, we, we need to follow these instructions. Like, this is the way we get out of this An interesting problem. thing is this movie could have gone on, because yeah. some movies the debate is, do I make a story that you want to watch yeah. or do I go home and sleep? Yeah. This one, <laughs> either way, because if they had said, no, we have to escape. This yep. could have been an escape movie. Yeah, they could have the whole where, time been trying to escape. Where the whole time they're trying different things and yep. then they still have like family tensions because they've got different ideas of how to do it. Mm. But that it, So this debate was quite good because it was yep. like, do we make a, an escape movie where we try to overcome the security of this or do we make a, a movie which is going to test our obedience? Yeah. And... Well, it also adds... Yeah, I, did, I honestly didn't know which way I was going to go. Yeah, but when you when you reflect back on the whole story, it's good for the protagonist, right? Because he's basically saying, oh, well, we shouldn't listen to the instructions. We should try to escape. We should think this through. And the father is, is almost a villain from the start because the father is saying, no, let, let's just follow the instructions, you know, yes. and we'll get out. And he's going... Oh, yeah. and, and I think it also sets up for us as an audience that Nick is the protagonist so clearly because, you know, that needle scene which comes up in a moment, that one that you... When you were mentioning that before, that just... That was that kind of pushing the extremity of his thinking then because I think most people would have been... That watched this film would go, yeah, don't put that needle in your arm, you know? Well, like, my thought would be... <laughs> like, wh- at why? get like, Angie, who would have some experience. Yeah. It wasn't clear if she was a nurse... Or, or a doctor, but... A doctor or a doctor in training or resident... But I would have said, okay... So, first of all, yeah, I'm not going to just shove an unsterilized needle yeah. in That's just ridiculous. Like, what should we do? Should we clean it? Yeah, and then, yeah. And then it'll be like, okay, well, I think also you should administer it because is this an intramuscular yeah, injection? That's right. Is this an intravenous injection? Yeah, I know. Like, what are we doing here? <laughs> like, what are you meant to do? Is it's like, how big is the dose you're meant to use? Because. Mm. So, so in this debate, we've I think we've clearly set out the debate there, but we do um, see them. They try to break free. Um, they can't figure it out. They're trying to figure out who did it. There's no phones, no internet. There's, there doesn't seem to be a way out. So it really sets the parameters up. Also the father, because he's decided to let's just follow these instructions. It could be a terrorist attack. So that's where Surrey was saying the news article before that we had mention of a terrorist attack mm. that they kind of justify oh this is a terrorist attack and he, he also says something like the seven the seventh the seven of the seventh uh, terrorist attacks revealed that the government has emergency channels uh, on TV. Yeah, what, what was the seventh seven seven? I'm not sure. Was that like a was that the London that bombings or thing that yeah. we don't know about? You know those London bombings that happened or that time? Or did they just or, want to have like a yeah. name for a terrorist attack, yeah. which wasn't a real one because they didn't want to kind of muddy the waters by trying to link this incident to, yeah, if that's it, like 9-11, they, yeah. like, suddenly now you're linking. Yeah, so they did, maybe there's more of a link there. We, yeah. I didn't quite get it either. They do, the father also get pulls Scott aside and he says, men must do men things. Yes, we have to make... Uh, it's always creepy, and this is something I've learned from movies. Thank you very much. Is when people, <laughs> there's a few fr- key phrases you got to look out for. Yeah. So when someone says something along the lines of, "We must think about the greater good." Yeah. <laughs> you immediately go, "Okay, presumably you're on the greater part, mm. and someone else is the one who's going to have to like put the <laughs> bill, right. right?" That's just the yeah. way that works. The other phrase is this: sometimes we have to make hard or difficult decisions. Yeah, that's right. You, you know. Go, that's code for sometimes you're going to 
want we're gonna to have kill to eat people. someone. We're gonna have to eat someone during this movie. <laughs> you you want me to kill someone? Yeah, right? that's which right. won't be you. Yeah, it'll be no. you deciding who dies. That's right. And then you want me to kill them. Mm. That's like I. That's the no. Yes, that's not the right way of doing things. So they they so there's that moment with Scott. There's also he just like the father says, "Let's have Christmas. Like it's going to be Christmas. Let's do Christmas. Act oh, normal." Yes, yes. Which actually is very, uh, you know, if it's a terrorist attack, that is very British. It's like no, let's let's get on with it and have a cup of tea. That great Winston, um, you know, Churchill thing from World War Two that became pop culture, right? That T-shirt slogan, you know, stay calm. You know that, that show? Carry on and, and stay calm. Stay yeah, calm. that's the Winston statement that came out of World Tour, became pop culture, everyone, you know, whatever. <laughs> but, yeah, this is what they do. So they start having a, it's a, it shows the family, again, very passive-aggressive, all this undercurrent, they argue. Ange is a bit sick and they argue about that. And, and um, by that, she just, like, has a little bit of a... <laughs> uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> you know, and one of them does say, oh, look, she probably got sick from her job, you know, and they, they're kind of palming it off a bit, but the the grandpa, again, that arcs up, oh, you know, and this is where he gets a bit more brutal. And, and then what happens is what's so that they're having that and the lunch is not going well so we've got to the story's got to go somewhere sorry so what's the break into two here well they're having this they have this christmas lunch it's not going well it's it's not going well well there's a big fight there's a massive fight it's like that the swearing and there's like so but how can this story be taken into that next you know, that well, we talked about it. It's got to now drive into well, something else, doesn't you're it? You're going to need a new message. We are, the new to, message thrown up. To test the the answer to the debate. Yeah. Because if it's let's try and escape, mm. then the message will be kind of ignored. Yeah. Or it, it will only provide, a, you know, a concern. Mm. But if they've chosen let's follow uh, instructions, which the Christmas dinner kind of indicates yeah. that's what they're doing. Because rather than taking action, they've yeah. got, no, let's, you know, we're here for the long haul. Yeah. And then the message comes up which says food is contaminated. <laughs> Before they've, anyone's eaten anything. Yeah, which, I mean, that would be a, a, a trigger, wouldn't it? Be yeah. like, how do you know? Yeah, yeah. What do you mean the food's going to, all food, like tinned food? How yeah. the hell is that contaminated? Yeah, yeah, that's right. And why would, how would the government bother saying that? Like, that's, but anyway, Yeah. So you're exactly right. To me, that's the fork in the road yes. then um, because the father immediately scraps dinner, throws it all in the rubbish bag. Uh, Scott starts helping him out as well after a bit of a, you're a wuss, Scott. Yeah. Uh, oh, and then, such a wuss. But Nick, our protagonist, is arguing over that, right? So this to me is that breaking in too because he's arguing and then Scott hops in his backup. So Nick now, our protagonist, is not just like arguing with his dad. He's arguing with another man. And they're being to the, and I mean, this is to me as an audience member, you're like, wow, like exactly you said, what, like everything's contaminated, the tin food, like, I think you need to think about this a little bit, yeah. like, okay, maybe the, the chicken is contaminated, it's out in the air, but you don't know how long you're going to be locked in this house, like it could be weeks, you know, and Scott says something ridiculous, like, oh, I survived on energy bars and water for weeks and weeks, it's like, yeah, but you're but, probably all going to go a bit crazy if that's what you're all you're, you're eating. Yeah, and like, I, I survived like, on energy bars for a month. Yeah, and they said they'd never seen that before. And you're like, <laughs> that's not a brag. No, for me, it's not. 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 But also, like, you don't have any energy bars. No, like that's right. Like, and you really, honestly, might want to think about what you're going to be keeping. You know, and um, so to me, it like drove the story, and it was clear that the father wants to go one path, and Nick wanted to go another. So it was a good fork in the road to me. Probably a bit of. 
Is this a B story, a bit of a love story, or is it a buddy story, or is there a theme story going on? What do you think? Well, I I sort of looked at the relationship between granddad and dad as being a bit of a B story there, yeah. which is because it had no, it was private between them. Yep. Uh, and it had no relevance to the um, the way things were t- p- turning out, but the meaning behind it mm. had some relevance to the final meaning of the story. Okay, yeah, good which point. Which is where... Uh, the theme, know, yeah. Why the hell did he put up with his grand... Like, his granddad was such an abusive son of a gun. Yeah. Uh, that's me avoiding swearing. <laughs> his, his granddad was clearly not nice. No. And continued to be not nice because there are some people for example when they're adults with younger kids um they soften up they, they don't you know because quite frankly no one tells you how to be a dad no and so you do the best you, you think you're doing the best you can mm. and maybe later on you sort of go ah oh, that was i was just too i was over the top you know yeah. now that the pressure's off now that they're a bit older and they're looking after themselves yeah i was i was too wound up and i'm like yeah. and there's an apology and there's kind of like you know Try to appreciate that I was. I thought I was doing the right thing, but it was shit. Yeah. This clearly never happened. No. Here. This granddad, the whole time, he was proud of his bullying. Yeah, yeah, and he's berating him and he for even how he's raising squelcher. And, yeah. You know, the beatings never hurt. You know, did you anything wrong? Which you go, well, it <laughs> well kind of did. I think you it know. kind of did because dad's a psycho. <laughs> yeah. So I, I thought that was a bit of a, um, a B story. Yeah, definitely. I mean, there's also. Uh, no, I I think that was the B story because yeah. I looked at yeah. Let's go with that one. Nick and Angie, Scott and Kate, but but this is the one that the paid particular attention to. I think. did relate to the theme, so I'm glad that you're raising that. So let's talk about then moving into some of the fun and games. So to me, this is a great example of writing where the screwdriver is getting tighter and tighter. Mm. It's a horror. So we're going down this. The path's going to only get worse and worse. So the father does confront grandpa. There's a scene that that, that does that. The TV messages are just going to get worse. So the first one now we get is, oh, decontaminate yourself with bleach. I mean, <laughs> I would be like, I don't think I'm going to do that. You know, I'm, I'm going to, why bleach? Like soap can do the same job the, the other on the human skin. Is, why, why would that help? Because, and this is like, you know, they, they always sort of show the... Uh, Toilet cleaner that kills 99.9% of all bacteria. Yeah. yeah, and then you're going to go and poo in that. Yeah, that's right. So, that's right. how does it help to kill the bacteria? Like, it, do- it doesn't. And soap, human, literally, soap wash it, washes the soap will wash it away. Like, yeah. I mean, unless you're conducting brain surgery, in which case, yeah, you want to be a little bit more thorough. Yeah. But, but you still, I don't think it's still bleach, is it? Like, soap and water is probably good <laughs> enough. For, for, the um, thing is, as soon as okay, so you've washed yourself with soap and water, then what? Or bleach. And then you go, what, sit back down where you were sitting before, where That's the right. clothes you were wearing before, yeah. which were contaminated. Contaminate, like, yeah, I, I know. know. Like, I know. <coughs> but um, as I said, this is the fun and games and they've already chosen their act too. Yeah, and um, Angie and Nick, they do this and it's a bit romantic. Mum tries to seduce dad a little bit and he goes, no, no, we're going to follow the, the line. And, of course, <laughs> grandpa is washing his balls. <laughs> so there's a... Daddy says... Um, you know, this is not a game. Yeah. We should start armpits and crotch first. Yeah. <laughs> That's right. Like, like, is there anything more romantic than someone right. going to wash their armpits and crotch? Crotch, crotch. <laughs> I don't, and I don't really understand, like, I don't know if that's actually right. Wouldn't it be like head to, head to toe? Like, I don't know. Yeah, you'd want to wash from the top. Like, yeah, what's like, the point of washing all this and then you're back up here again, you know? It's like washing the car. You start yeah, from the top. You start the top down, down like, right? Like, <laughs> You can but car. it's a good line, isn't it? It's a good line. 
Yes, armpits and crotch. There's uh, Granddad squatting on the toilet, <laughs> paying particular attention to his ball sack. <laughs> really getting the bleach in there. Yeah, and uh, there's a little bit of kind of like maybe that's like we're laughing. There's a little bit of kind of humour there, and and of course you know so it's it's still very severe. But then as there's kind of a little bit of maybe the family connecting, we have these needles suddenly drop down the chimney, <laughs> and they do really like they, they there's a real like boom, isn't there? Like it's a real like shock yes. horror bit. And, uh, yeah, when she pulled that bag out, and I think this is one of those things that as a rational audience member, it's a very clear thing that what dad does in just grabbing these needles and squirting his arm to be the example, like, to me, that was really like a clock over moment that, no, he's lost his marbles. And, you you know, like, even, even before that, like, he was doing some weird things, but to me, that was just such a, like, a, Oh no, he's gone. You know, he's Forgive lost. Him it. Due, though, that is leadership. It is major it's, leadership. It's just not no. great. No, <laughs> but um, I'd be listening to the doctor, nurse, and also just you know, she's exactly right. You're thinking, okay, this is a terrorism attack. Let's go with that theory, right? Let's go with that conspiracy theory, uh, Dad. So the military have locked us in the house somehow with this black wire stuff. Fair enough. Maybe it's technology we've never heard of. Um, but then they've just dropped needles down a chimney uh, that are. And she says these have even been used before, you know. And it's like the, they wouldn't do that. They would literally. And the serum would be in its own little container, you know, there'd like be instructions. And there'd be instructions. And I don't know. Like it, it was all so obvious that no, something's off here. So yeah, there's a great scene here. It actually goes for about eight minutes. I think this scene when I when I noticed it, you know, they it's they, very tense because it's really the whole time tense, you're yeah. debating yourself, going, "Don't do it!" Like you yeah. know, "Don't do it." The dad no, just sort of does it, and then granddad said, "Granddad says, yeah, well, I'm not a coward. Yeah, I'm gonna do it." And then and then of course there's the debate like Scott and Mum do it, but then there's also the debate with Kate being pregnant. Exactly right. She's and she is. She's hesitant over this because of the baby. And uh, you know, you and I have gone through the process of our wives having babies, and you do do the immunisation program. And you know, there's that thought of should we give this one to a baby or not? You know, as a critical thinker, well, you yeah, I know you research things, you get advice, and it is up to each person. I I personally believe, but I think you just got to do the advice. Sorry, read the research, and it has but to you, be. You have the Right same problems you, but, with anything is like, yeah. do I feed them like toast? Oh, that can crumble and choke them. That's right, it? yeah. But uh, then there's other people who just say, no, it's not really a problem because they tend to chew on it and yeah. suck it and yeah. they're okay. <laughs> and then there's some people say, you know, you should make sure you feed them three different things with different textures. Yeah, and you, so they get And used other people sort of say, no, that's too fussy. It's, mm. it, it aggravates them. Like it doesn't matter what advice oh. you get with pregnancy or babies or anything. There's someone who'll say otherwise. Yes. And the problem is because it is such an emotionally charged thing, you can't make it's 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 really hard to make reasonable decisions. No. Because at, at any point you're sort of going someone says it's a one in a million chance of something bad will yeah. and you go, but there's a chance something yeah, bad still could a chance. happen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, like, yeah, I know. And because it's a child, it's not you. It's it's something else, isn't it? Yeah. And, that, and Kate hesitates, but then she has. It's a great, really great tense scene. That one. It goes on for a bit, but they all end up taking the shots. And I mean, we don't see Nick actually. Kind of, it's off to the side a bit, and I was wasn't sure if it was kind of squirted on or I don't know, but but they it's implied that they all took it, and then Grandpa just ups and coughs up a lung and dies. Yes. And uh, the argument there from Dad is it's an acceptable loss. 
Yes, and there's always <laughs> things like, oh, well, he was old anyway. and Yeah. Um, anyway, the TV then changes its message and it says vaccine completed, uh, return needles. There's a weird old Nintendo graphic hand through that little gap in the yeah. front door uh, and um, Scott goes and takes it over and puts the needles in. And uh, as he's sort of trying to do that, the needles get sucked through and then he, he decides to shove his hand in there for a minute and kind of scream for help. And all of a sudden he's screaming bloody murder because his uh, fingers have been sliced off mm. and he's just pissing blood everywhere. They quickly bandage him up, but yeah. Um, this next scene I just want to touch on, It's a this is, I suppose you're saying, the B story said the grandpa's died. Um, we've seen the earlier scenes early in the film where the dad and the grandpa have these kind of tense moments. They're arguing about the power, about upbringing children. Grandpa's now dead, and so he's lying there with the sheet over him. And Dad has this, yeah, he has a really, this actor has an amazing scene here. I thought this was yeah, this really is, suddenly a potent. This is good. He almost um, does a Jekyll and Hyde, uh, the same thing that William Defoe does um, with the Green Goblin kind of thing, and Spider Man actually did it so well, where he. He almost is the grandpa and himself. Yeah, you know, he, he, he changes the voice a bit. He almost has a conversation. He, he's staring off into oblivion, um, and he talks about why what he meant by calling squelch or wetting the bed and crying all night. Dad not helping, and dad beating him up in the morning. All this sort of stuff. Yeah, I, I just wanted to take note of that scene because I was really impressed with that. I, it really, it was a very powerful scene as well. Really got it, me. It drove home the depth of pain that dad felt. Mm, yeah, you know, like. Uh, and then he, he mentions that thing is like, I suppose, you know, as a father, you, you try to do anything yeah. to say help your children, you know. Mm. He knew that. Yeah. I know that. You don't know that. <laughs> Which is, is kind of, uh, it's sort of his way of asking for understanding. Mm. It's like... It's his way of asking for understanding, but then also having a dig at him at the same time. Uh, yeah, so it's, it's very passive aggressive. It's, it's, uh, <laughs> it's like saying... It's justifying to himself, going, you know, I've this is not good. I'm going to be doing more not good, mm. but it's because I have this um, knowledge or ability that, you know, Nick doesn't understand. That's right. So after, so he's had a dig. So I mean, Dad and Nick are still not seeing eye to eye. The TV then changes its message again to isolate the infected, uh, which, which we don't know who is infected, but they all go a bit racist and sniffles here. So Angie's. Locked away, there's an argument, a bit of a fight, but the fight doesn't progress too seriously. Um, but there's a bit of biffo, uh, and yeah, but Angie agrees to go off to her isolation in the room. And to me, this then leads into the midpoint. Sorry. So, did the do 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 you agree? Do you think this is the midpoint yeah, after I, that? I sort of from the midpoint, because of course, is is sometimes a really interesting one. I I took the midpoint from Granddad having a chuck. And dying, right? Or you know, and the, maybe the end of his death. Yep. And and that's because up until that point, they're they're obeying the orders, they're doing stuff, and they, they get the needles, they obey that. Yeah. And there's a bit of tension, but and then he dies, signaling yeah. suddenly, okay, there is something going on here. Was that the serum that they he injected with, or as Dad said, you know, perhaps you know it was too late for him, or yeah, you know, yeah. like. Would we have all died like that had we not taken it? Like, yeah, that's a good point. And that was so, but yeah, the midpoint then sort of comes after that scene or around that scene. You're talking yeah. about like, you know, the, the tone of the story sort of changes now. Angie has been split off. It's it's going now. It's it's become 
serious and dark. Yeah. Not just kind of hypothetical debates about yeah. is this that or is this the other thing. Now it's there's something serious is happening. One way or another, something serious is happening. Yeah, well, to me, this midpoint, and, and look, you're maybe a scene or so earlier, I'm a scene later, but to me, it's this moment where Angie is kind of saying, do you realise that every time the situation is a bit shit, then we the message we get is kind of then to make a, a, like a worse decision. So you should go and turn off the telly. And I never even thought this really watching this through the first straight away, sorry, but it, is it that turning off the telly is going to kill this thing? Yeah. I, you know, well, like I, it's an interesting idea, well, isn't it? Like, it? When he it sort of says, you know, worship me, and yeah. uh, it backs off yeah. from Nick. Yeah. And Nick realises, oh, this thing sort of somehow needs, needs our us. attention. Yeah, yeah. Like yeah, if you turned off the TV and, and just didn't pay attention to doing it, what it said, would it just die away? Would it go? Okay, this house is useless to me. Yeah, and um, wander away. Yeah, it, it could. <laughs> so, so yeah, to me, it's like that. And he does. He goes down and turns on TV, and then it kind of gets worse. So, to, to to me, then that's kind of leading into that bad guys get you know closing in. So. Yeah, does the world crumble a bit from here, get smaller, tighter, tougher for them, sorry. Yeah, because here we get this sort of, there were some dreams and nightmares, it said, and, and there's a quarantine fight, Yep. which they, they get worried about. And, you know, Nick and Scott have a physical t- you know, tussle. They do. And, of course, as I said, they go up the stairs, and immediately mm. I thought, here goes the pregnant woman yeah. up the stairs. Because for some reason, it's just it's one of those easy ways of doing things or setting stuff up, up in like, the ante right you go upstairs fall off yeah fall off a ladder it's it happens that you've watched a lot of movies if they want to i mean horror movies classically mm. the hero goes up the stairs yeah and you you're always going there's no way out that's making it worse yeah. <laughs> because <laughs> now you you're know, trapped up now you the stairs. Get past the bad guy yeah or you gotta fall yeah and indeed yeah kate falls crack yes. On the ground, breaks her leg. Suddenly, shit's gotten worse. Yeah, so she's now someone's life is in danger. Yeah, and she's the pregnant woman, so it's you know you're kind of thinking, oh, is she going to lose the baby? What's going to happen? Are they going to have to deliver the baby? And then of course, any leadership that Dad had is lost because he he goes, I'm going to my office to work. (laughs) That's right. And like, Dad, Kate's like in trouble here. Yeah, it's a weird moment. I've got a plan. It's it's very. This is a really good example that the protagonist is the one in the story, isn't it? Because when all this happens, Scott freezes. The the husband, yeah. he, he he's sort of useless. Dad wanders off to the study, and Mum starts, starts cleaning. Yeah. Then none of them really want to help for a moment. There's a beat there, and and it is again this whole story, this psychological. If you take this film as a psychological test, some of these reactions are perfectly normal. This is what happens. Yeah, this. Is I mean, their, I did their defensive mechanism. Yeah, it's even like return to something that's familiar, something yeah. they can control. And it is actually really common, even like medically trained doctors, if their partner or child gets sick or is dying, sometimes they, they, they're the same. They can't administer first aid um, because they're, they're, they kind of go into this shock moment, yeah. you know. So I, I sort of excuse them a bit here, but again, it kind of, you know, so Nick's the one that takes the actual heroic and tries to tries to help them. Yeah, the next moment, this is, this is probably my favourite scene in this whole film, is that Nick is then looking for, uh, so Kate's on the couch and mum kind of comes back and Scott is kind of, ner- you know, they're just kind of holding her, um, but she's not doing well. But Nick goes and looking for an exit in some of the corners and stuff 
and he ends up in the he tries a couple of different spaces and he's failing the roof space or whatever tiles and stuff and then he ends up realizing the toilet and so he like bangs against his drywall and there's just a little gap and he sticks his camera through the the hole and I love this isn't mm. it this is always great in a horror or sci-fi so he stuck his camera camera somewhere that you know the human eye can't reach or can't go and he pulls it back out it's covered in goo <laughs> so you know it's trouble and then he like starts playing it you know and don't you just love that bit of found footage kind of idea and he kind of sees these weird spider creature come running at it it's a bit of a jump scare but I love that scene that's no, really it's, cool it's great because you're always again it's this mystery thing where you're yeah. going what what are this? It's a show me show, yeah, yeah. show me the what's goddamn- the monster on the other side yeah. really look like? We and you, see you know you're only going to get a glimpse, you know. And that I like. I always love that. With that, Dad and Scott burst in. Oh well, there was ignore- that a message on the TV. That's Exfiltration right. Detection. That's right. Sorry, yeah, there was, wasn't there? TV warns of a breach. And but see, so- if they'd been thinking rationally at all, it's like you're going. How did you know that we'd finished injecting ourselves? Yeah. How did you know when we'd Isolated. How did you know we had an infected? Mm. And then how did you know when we'd isolated them? How did you know? How did you know exfiltration? Are you paying that? If this is the emergency broadcast system, yeah, you're sending specific messages to our specific house. That's right. It means you have to be watching us. Which means you would have to have yeah, watching us, and also then have some sort of a broadcast mechanism. Yeah. To very powerfully beam directly at our <laughs> antenna so that we're not picking up other signals. Yeah, that's right. Like yeah, if yeah, but because things are. And I, and I wondered actually if the injection was some like you know a, did that screw people up? It was like a venom. Yeah, that's right. That like makes people less rational mm. because at some point you got to sit there and go, how, how are they? Do-? This doesn't make any sense at all. No, know? and I mean that's what Angie. Was how would at you like? He turns the TV off. At, yeah. How did it know? How did they know the TV was turned off? Yeah, that's right. The, that's the right. government broadcast system. If it's that's just a one-way frequency. Yeah, it it's a broadcast. It's <laughs> yeah. not a narrow beam it's not like you're connected directly to someone on the other end who's watching your house that's right yeah so anyway anyway so then with that warning they dad and scott break in they get nick and we really descend into madness yeah this is the real dark part isn't it? yeah so we got dad then really tortures him scott's not so keen on it but you know he doesn't stop him oh but he's so weak isn't he yeah he's such a wuss such a little boy Um, and they're interrupted by really what I said before. The whole point of all is lost moment. Sorry, sorry, someone dies. Someone dies. Poor Kate. Kate dies. And the plants. Yeah, and the plant. I don't. I didn't know if there was any significance to the plant dying, but well, it's just that things are dead. I, I yeah. mean, and this is a little tip. I've seen this with the screenwriters. Let's say you're writing a G-rated film. You yeah. can't kill someone. Uh, you can kill a plant. Yeah. Right. So they did both in this. <laughs> Just to up the ante, you know. Um, And there can be a whiff of death, like someone talking of death, you know, not actually death. Yeah. Or or was it the the death of a dream? Death of a dream can be another one. So that can work in in the kids' movie. It's like the dancer sprains their ankle. Yeah, and they can't. And now they're not going to make it to the finals. No, they're just not going to be able to do it anymore. So what are they going to do? How are they going to, you know, get into Act 3? Yes. Um, So how did that make you feel that Kate died? Uh, it's like she kind of deserved it. <laughs> the she pregnant was, woman, you heard it here first. She was evil. <laughs> she was evil. The she baby didn't ignorant. deserve it. But, no, but she she was she was unpleasant. She had a lot of bitterness in her. She did. She didn't deserve a lot to of die. jealousy with the rather. Didn't deserve to die, but she, she was 
clearly bitter and she'd chosen Scott as her partner because she could dominate him. Yes. So we now know, sorry, things are even going to get worse for Nick. What's some of the next couple little beats that happen? Well, we've got we've got the death. Uh, I mean, sometimes the death and then the inspiration happen very quickly here. Yep. But in this case here, we've we've got him. He's been tortured. Kate's died. But now you're going to have some sort of problem with Angie, mm. aren't you? Like, yeah. how else can you threaten Nick? Because yeah. if you threaten his, maybe his mum. Yep. And indeed that's what happens because yeah. we end up then with a... Um, uh, Angie is mucking out. She pries out that little fiber, which got me really interested. It was like, mm. oh, we're going to learn something. Like, What's that mystery? And she they opens up the back of the TV and there's, yeah, like a little pulsing blackness in there. Yeah, and it's great because you only see a couple of seconds of it. So yeah, you only see you know, sort of flash. Something yeah. shiny and black and pulsing in there, which, you know, doesn't normally sit inside little TVs. <laughs> as far as we know. And then, of course, there's like a, a, a siren goes off and... The, what does it say? Uh, all sides of the ground floor? Yeah, I think it's like, first of all, quarantine begins in bedroom or something, upper stairs bedroom. There's some message like that. Yeah. And then this black gas starts pouring in and then and then it is all all survivors to the ground floor. Yeah. And, yeah, and Nick goes, run out and tries to kick this door in. I mean, what are these doors made out of? I know. I, mean, I know my doors, the kids can break them. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's, that's just the style of door we've got. But... Yeah, he, he he can't get in. So there's a really tense moment there. <laughs> I love this bit. Scott get the keys and Scott throws the keys to him. And drops and the, it. And fumbles it. And you go, oh, it's Scott. Bloody Scott, man. Bloody what is this? You've got your muscles, but you don't have much else. And then, yeah, so he goes up there and manages to get Angie out. Mum is behind the glass and you can see her silhouette. And this is a great thing. Horror movies have used this oh, yeah. a lot. Numerous you can, times. You can see the movement. You can see the shapes, mm. but you can't make out any detail, which of Definitely course makes can. it frightening. And mum explodes. Which is like I thought, wow, that is some serious black gas. But yeah. uh, from a point of view of you know moving the plot forward, they wanted to say this gas is proper dangerous. Yeah, that's right, deadly. And mum is definitely dead. Yeah. Don't even debate whether yeah. she's just collapsed. Yeah. Yeah, because that's not the point. Because sometimes you want them to just fall down and there's that question, are they actually dead? Are they just yeah. fainted? Do we need to do more action? Mm. The point of this point was, no, she's, dead. no she's gone. She's yeah. out of the picture now. Now it's your, you know, there's one less sympathetic character in this household. Mm. Get yourself downstairs. And with that, Dad's pretty lost. He was already a bit lost and useless since Kate, but he's he's pretty much cooked. And so to me, it's like to break into three and to reveal like the synthesis of then the story, like for Nick, it's like, well, Dad's gone this kind of hard-ass military, let's follow the rules, but that's led them nowhere. Now Nick is like, the man in control, right? So, mm. like, then it's formulating his plan is let's destroy the TV, let's 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 kill it, right? Let's just get rid of it. And so, to me, that's the break into three: is that no, I'm going to be the one in control. Yeah, it's time to rebel. Scott, Scott is a wuss anyway. Yeah. <laughs> Dad's lost. I'm taking control. I should have probably taken. He probably should have taken control earlier in the story, but now he's going to take control. Um, so what's the plan? Who's the bad guy? What are they going to get through? Um, what foes are they going to meet on this final yeah, pathway? The, the bad guy does reveal itself because yep. the moment it starts going down religion. Yeah. Then so, it's, so it's doing sort of, it's playing off 
fears of of race and and otherness yeah. and so forth and disease and, yeah and icky yeah and then it's just turned to religion because the one thing that religion can do is inspire people to take radical action without rational reason mm. like that's it's that's where it comes from and that's yeah. what its purpose is in many cases yeah it's been used that way by authority figures definitely and Sure enough, the TV starts to saying, and again, it's not specific. No, it doesn't say, "Hey, so, I'm God, I'm, <laughs> I'm come again." Yeah, it says, "You know, the the time has come. I am reborn." Yeah, and like the baby moves in the in the Kate's tummy. Yeah, and yeah, Dad looks up and there's a cross. And he goes, "Was I wrong? Yeah. Do I should I have believed?" And he sort of go, "Yeah, I I don't know that." Jesus would be doing this. This doesn't, <laughs> this doesn't sound very coming through the TV. Christian, no. It sounds very Old Testament. Yeah, yeah, very like sacrifice your child, please. And that, that's basically what happens. The message is then sacrifice to yeah. the unborn, right? So it's very Old Testament kind of, you know, the old style of religion. And I this think, is yeah. something else I always get people misunderstand what the term sacrifice means. Mm. You see, because they talk about. Um, uh, in that awake, you know, let's sacrifice mm. her. Yeah, yeah. And you go, no, no, you can't sacrifice someone else. No, that's It doesn't right. work that way. No, no. Jesus, the whole point, as far as I can tell, yep. is that he chose and sacrificed. He didn't turn around and say, you, Apostle Paul, yeah. uh, sorry, you're going to have to die now yeah, to right. show everyone else that there's a better way. That's right. Like, yeah, yeah. He, that's not a sacrifice. No. That's murder. And and in this case here, sacrifice to save the baby. Dad, to sacrifice, had to kill himself. Yep. But instead, he chose the evil option, which is to sacrifice someone else. But what it leads to is this big, brutal fight, you know, fight to the death, you know, climax. Scott finally stands up. Yeah, Scott finally. To receive an axe. And just to get an axe and die, uh, which is very, again, going back to what you said about the axe earlier in the story. um, Because how else, because now when you get to here, you go, how else could that have happened? How else could Dad have killed Scott? So, like, you've introduced this axe. You know it's it's been used a couple of times, mm. like, early on. And, you know, it was used again when, just coming up here to remind you where, where Nick is going around trying to get out. He's, like, bashes at the wall, wall again yeah, yeah. while Dad's in his room planning, mm. highlighting parts in a book. Like, that's somehow going to help. Uh, and then drawing arrows on the floor plan. You're like, <laughs> no, dude, like, the floor plan's not very complicated. You don't no. really need to draw arrows on it. Uh, but, yeah, so the axe... Bang, there's its purpose. That's why we got shown an axe. It wouldn't have worked with an angle grinder. That's right. No, it wouldn't have. Wouldn't have. No, it's like, that's just like, because you got to start up. <laughs> it's slow. You know, yeah, maybe, that's right. maybe it's. By the time you're ready to kill Scott, he could be on top of you. Yeah. Um, but what it does lead to in that moment is Nick can take the upper hand. He fights Dad. Bit of a, you know, good old fashioned get knocked down, get back up again. But he, he overcomes him. I think Ange. Throws a punch or something, but doesn't see, she? Is, and then this is that first action yeah, in the yeah, finale. That's right, and so then, but it's it's us thinking that he's going to win, and he does. He gets he 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 gets him over. He's whacked him, and then he gets the TV. So you know, it's very symbolic. Destroy the TV with Dad, smash it on his head. Bonk. Okay, so has the protagonist won? Yeah, well, well, we'd like to think we so. we think so, but knowing story structure, yeah, it's a bit too soon because not enough has been, not enough effort. Has gone. No. She can't just 
have someone trip over them, push a telly on their head. No, no. And, and, and you know what? As an audience member, I felt like, well, that's not it. You know, like that can't be the end of this superior alien race thingy, whatever it's no. done to them. Um, and, of course, it's not. So then this is where, to me, it's pretty cool, this bit in the movie. I don't know what you thought about it, but the wires out of the TV come alive. It's very much a little bit like Evil Dead special effects. It's kind of a bit of a, a, a nod back to the 70s and it, the 80s. It and did get a bit The wires that. branched off everywhere. A bit, I'm not sure if it, I don't think it was stop animation, but it had that stop animation feel and... Uh, they took over, they, the wires went into dad's mouth and head and face or whatever. And, um, and of course, then they kind of like that, run out of the room. That's a bit Clive barker It one. is a bit like Clive, if, yeah. If we're saying that, uh, was, was it Sam Raimi is yeah, Evil Dead? Yep, yeah. So that's the, the wires coming out and like you see it gratuitously pierce. Yeah, that's right. But the Clive Barker one is to have the wires come out through the mouth that's and right, curl yeah. up around the face. Yeah. And, have that um, kind of reanimate strangled yeah. voice. So even though Dad's dead, it's he's now reanimated through this alien creature, um, and Dad comes up to them and and says, "Worship me, your oh, face." Well, he, he does the whole shining thing. Yeah, because they, they they retreat through, they close it. Yeah, smashes, smashes, and smashes out a window panel, and then Dad puts his head through, and you almost go, <laughs> "Here's Johnny." Yeah, that's like, right. But instead, he said, "Just poke his head through." Yeah. And anyway, so Nick confronts him, but the alien actually then starts backtracking. Dad backtracks, backtracks, and this is where Nick is going, oh, hang on, you need us. It's that old, it's that old thing. You're, hey, you're a bad guy, but you need us to be a bad guy. Yes, in order to survive. <laughs> Worship you, me. You're making us put into extreme situations so that we reach for yeah. authority. So that just means that we just don't need to show up basically you know we don't need to give you any attention you're like a little baby and that would be that except well then they destroy the tv they they do they smack it oh, and bang they, it. yeah they smash the the bottle of what bubbling wine in there yeah something like that because it wasn't made in the champagne region this uh, no, alien right. brain goo. throw the brain brain glue in and it, and it does it fires up and dies uh and so they're like oh we've we've won sorry the end Nice, yes. Oh, I mean, obviously, except that there's a baby there and yeah. the, the monster comes back. Monster like, comes back and is sort of like, ha-ha, you think, you think that did it and it just wraps him in all these wires. Because I think... Dad it, comes up and stabs him. It saw him. the baby and went, oh, actually, I don't, I need, don't need them. Yeah. And this was the thing. So it comes out, Kate and Angie get smothered, yep. presumably killed. With the wires. And well, then, they do. Dad kind of... Oh, yeah. And then, and then the... Mum's body gets covered in the wires, and the her flesh is burnt away to reveal Bubby. Yeah, and little baby. Bubby, and of course, unfortunately, I've seen a newborn baby. Yeah, and they're much smaller. They are. They're much tiny. They always, they always have somewhat older babies yeah, here and these do. things. But I mean, it would it's be what bit, it is. It'd be a bit much to be waiting at the delivery room. Yeah. <laughs> okay, quick in the scene. Yeah, that's right. Just bring the camera in. You're good. Yeah. But, um, yeah, and there's the baby staring at the TV, and the TV says, "Worship me." Yes, baby, raising Worship a new generation yeah. of worshippers, and then that final image is suburbia covered in this black wire stuff, and there's maybe some fires, some cars crashed, yeah, and it seems like there's no one really around, mm. and we just kind of get a nice big pan out. It's a bit John Carpenter, isn't it? A bit, a bit nineteen sort of sixties, fifties horror films, probably a bit like Body Snatchers that yeah. you haven't. 
they haven't won. You yeah. know, like what, the, what was that? Know, um, uh, Return of the Living Dead. Return of the Living Dead. Yeah, yeah. Where so kind of just a bit of a it's a negative ending, really. Yeah, yeah. And that's it. That's the end of. How did that make you feel at the end? Yeah, I felt a bit icky. <laughs> but I mean, it's you kind of you kind of want there to be some sort of hope, but it doesn't show anything because it's a dark filter on the lens. Everything's covered in the black wires. Yeah, and you're going okay, so. Somehow they've they've managed to convince people. Yeah, I, you could have a sequel. Yeah, you definitely could. So to me, it's like then the doom and gloom of it is also that because the suburbia doesn't seem like there's many people around that if humans are put into this situation, we're probably going to implode on each other. Yeah. <laughs> That's I, the thesis of the filmmakers, you know. And, like, and I like that when we opening image, we saw them rocking up and ba- being out in the suburbs... As we know, I live in the suburbs. There's yeah. not, doesn't tend to be just lots of people just walking around. No, no, no. Like I lived in the city and yeah, in Melbourne, mm. there were people everywhere all the time. Yeah, doesn't yeah. matter what time of the night, it could be quiet, but there'll always be people. There'll be always see somewhere, them around the yeah, place. There'll be like a street sweeper or someone closing their uh, late night bar or yeah. you know whatever it is. But in the suburbs, yeah, like no. if I went out there right now and walked down these streets. I would be the only person walking around. Mm, yep. I could walk for 10, 15 minutes and not see anyone. Yep. And in this case, yeah, it flew out. Again, the start showed no one out in the streets. Mm. No one out in the streets. Yes. And there was uh, one house in particular had that glow, that sort of pulsing glow of television. Mm. Yes. Which yes. Yeah. indicates that's still going. It's going. Okay, ladder time. So, yeah, we just put these films onto our own ladders as a bit of a recommendation. Sorry, and I have some differences going on. Um, and the idea here is a bit of a – you could follow this ladder as a bit of a viewing preference and see where, you know, what – if you follow – if you agree with that or disagree with that. Um, for me, I'm going to put this one in – well, it comes in at number 31, rung 31 – um, but just meaning more, you know, in the order of where you should watch it. I really enjoyed this film. Uh, I think we just regularly, uh, sorry, just recently had done Awake. So I think if you went from something like Awake and then you've oh, got this film. I can see it. It's got a similar sort of, Awake's got the more positive family vibe. It does have a bit more positive. And then The Discovery, is it? I already had that, number 32. These three are all about really the human elements and the human mm. relationships. The Discovery is a bit of a father-son relationship as well. Um, all three of these films are a bit about family and how the family deals in these kind of extreme circumstances. Awake, much more positive. This one, much more of a negative horror version, and the discovery somewhere in between. So I think that'd be kind of a pretty cool late night, Saturday night trilogy of trilogy films to watch. To open your veins to Yeah. <laughs> and also just do your head in, really. It'd be give you the three options there, those three versions. Well, what about yourself? I, I took a slightly different um, approach with this yep. one. So I went love and between love and monsters mm. and Gora. Oh, okay. Because I'm going, okay, love and monsters is like this light hearted, totally hopeful. Yep. Um, romp with monsters is it's yeah, brilliant. It's, it's good lovely. fun, and its message is coming together as family and and mm. and, and love. Yep. And Gora, of course, is just ridiculous. Yes. Which is fantastic. And I thought, you know, what would be even better is a bit of a. I like to mix things up a bit, so you go from the love of monsters joy. Yep. Into await further instructions, and when you're just coming out of that feeling like Joyful. the world has come to an end, you hit Gora, and you go actually. Here is something which doesn't require much thinking. <laughs> it references a lot of other sci-fi, yeah, yeah. Uh, but it's 
and still got one of well, this, the funniest this... scenes I've seen, which is that uh, that robot Lobby. molestation. Oh right, yeah. Um, but also horror, horror, right? Like <laughs> go from the the kind of this would warm you up for Gora. Yes. <laughs> Take off the uh, you know the sensitive filter a little bit by your time you're going to get to Gora. Yeah, you'd be quite happy then to be pleased yeah. by whatever Gora has to <laughs> has to show. All right, and where do you put it on your ladder? Let us know what you think and, uh, yeah, where you're inserting on your ladder or if you're following us along at home and, and want to follow our ladder, do you think it fits in there or not? Let us know. So time for the science. It's science my brain time with Surrey. I've got a little follow-up science piece here. Mm. So this is very interesting. We spoke... Uh, a while ago with Body Snatchers, yeah. well, a while ago, maybe you know, a few episodes back, where we were talking about, um, was it like contagious societal psychogenic illness or whatever it is? Yeah. Mass hysteria. And so there's um, an interesting case has just come up, an article in the Wall Street Journal, which is talking about some a, a bunch of studies. So doctors and hospitals report case incidents. Uh-huh. Yeah, uh, and this is important for you know tracking disease progress or um, you know the prevalence of heart disease or whatever you know rise and so forth. Uh-huh. In this case, here doctors from around the world are reporting a rise in teenage girls presenting with physical tics, mm. and have uncovered that TikTok might be the common link between the new cases. Mm. So, if you remember back to the uh, discussion we had in Invasion of the Body Snatchers, this psychogenic illness does tend to affect women more often for whatever reason it is. Mm. And it tends to have um, non-physical contagion. It's contagion by uh, ex- you know, um, performance, speech, yeah, right. and so forth. And in fact, in this case, it's actually quite rare for girls to have tics. Mm. Uh, it's far more common for boys to present. Yeah. And so they've been um, being presented far more often. So one US neurologist so that he started seeing about 10 new teens with ticks every month since yeah. March, uh, when previously he'd see one a month at most. And then there's a children's hospital in Texas who used to see one or two cases a year, and they've seen about 60 teens with ticks since March last year. They've tried to find what's similar, because it's not Tourette's, uh, because Tourette's is a genetic nervous system disorder that causes people to make repetitive involuntary movements or sounds. Mm. Not necessarily swearing, which is the comedy version of Tourette's. Yeah, right. As there's always a there's always a comedy version of every mental illness, oddly enough, and it probably causes more problems than it solves. But uh, yeah, so it's just you know compulsive, repetitive movements, which are um, well, there's your nervous system going wacky. Yeah, right. <laughs> and here I am, just you know telling us that the comedy versions is no good, but here I'm calling it wacky. But uh, and it's quite uncommon, and this. Um, tick-like behaviour in girls is aged between 12 and 25. So and this so this, the idea here is that they're kind of replicating the behaviour, right? Yeah, so they're like, seeing TikTok yeah. and in particular they're watching the uh, hashtag Tourette's, which mm. has got about 4.8 billion views. And most of the videos feature people with the disorder. They're kind of a bit light-hearted, sort of capturing um, the, the various difficulties people have with, you know, maybe cooking or carrying uh-huh. precious objects, you know, like, mm. like they're, they're kind of demonstrating that it's not just swearing at a baseball game or, yeah. <laughs> you know, whatever. It's, it's sort of a, a, um, a 
an interesting or light-hearted view on the situation. Yeah. So one doctor, though, he went through in a whole heap of, uh, she went through a whole bunch of TikTok videos, like 3,000, mm-hmm. to see what, you know, these uh, girls are doing. Yeah. And she said she noticed that a number, quite a fair number of these teens were saying the word beans in a British accent. You know, yeah, beans, right. Beans. Beans. Get Even bones. when they didn't speak English. Beans. And then she discovered it's actually a common tick for one of the top TikTok Tourette's. Try and say that five times fast. <laughs> top TikTok Tourette's influences top in Tourette the UK. Influences in the top yeah, so TikTok there's, So there's a real person with Tourette's who does say beans. Yeah. Uh, oh. And then there's these people in like you know, various countries around the world. They don't speak English, but they're saying beans with a British accent, just like this, this girl. So who wants no, the beans? There's no demonstrated causal effect here. No. It's like no one's saying this is definitely the case. Yeah. But it's... but And this is the problem, of course, with this psychogenic illnesses is that it's very difficult to pinpoint. Because the, the other problem is, of course, that many of the uh, teens who are turning up also have a history of anxiety and depression and stress. Mm. And so... Is, it, is this actually just coincidence? Is it that people with anxiety, depression, and stress, uh, these girls have mm. followed uh, people with Tourette's because they're noticing they themselves have a tick? Yeah. Or yeah. Uh, by having the anxiety, and depression, and stress, does that make them more susceptible to um, repeated behaviors as a stress release mechanism? That's Which a right. lot of this is, like you know, this sort of stimming behavior is often a case of things get a bit overwhelming, do something like, you know, rocking back and forward, humming a tune, saying beans. Uh, as a soothing mechanism. As, as a soothing yeah. mechanism, as a way of sort of taking the, the pressure off. Yeah. So anyway, I thought it was just like a, a really interesting little follow-up. Definitely. And I've got another follow-up because we had, which is similar. So um, I'm trying to remember which episode it was we're talking about this, but there's the... Um, how far will people go to obey authority? Mm. And there was an infamous series of experiments, which I'm pretty sure we've talked about, by Stanley Milgram in the 60s. And this is the one where he got two people, or he got a whole bunch of people, and split them into groups of two. But one half were actually actors and were in on it, and the other half were unsuspecting. And the actors went into a room and were supposedly hooked up to electrodes, and the people who were actually being experimented on were told to, you know, quiz these people. And if they got the answers wrong, electrocute them. <laughs> and the actors acted out pain, you know, and yeah. screams and, you know, like, and the researcher would tell them to increase the voltage, you know, increase the pain, increase, increase to see, you know, and they said, trust me. No, it's okay. Do it. And the people would do it. And they found that, yeah, actually a lot of people were okay to defer to authority. There's mm. a lot of criticism about, well, I suppose the ethics of this, but the other criticism was, is you know, in this situation, it's not really life, death, sort of, not real, real authority because you kind of assume you're going into this experiment. You know, you're not in Nazi Germany. No. Uh, or some, you know, Stalinist death camp you presume that the scientists you're assuming is, that there's something there's sensible going rational on level right yeah yeah and and like it's not really hurting the person like so there's got to be something in the back of the mind so there is some question as to whether it's but it it did show that um you know perhaps people are there was a there was a repeat of this though in poland 
where they sort of said, actually, you know, 50 years later. Mm-hmm. And the other thing is here, we're talking about um, Poland here, which is, you know, had uh, very strong regimes, communist regimes who have demanded uh, people obey authority. Uh-huh. So will there be a difference? Mm-hmm. You know, they've got the freedom now and will they actually, you know, do what? And yeah, they sort of did a similar thing. They're a bit more ethical about it, but um, it was very similar. And they did find, in fact, that people were more likely to increase the pain when they were reassured by the researcher that, yep, do it. Uh, mm. They were also less likely to increase the pain or to stop if it was being done to a woman, which is interesting. So, um, and there's one last thing about obeying orders, another experiment done. And yeah. this, ex- this experiment was it's very similar to the setup. Press the button, cause some pain, but hear a beep. Yeah. And yeah, they, they, they lied about what was going on here because they're obviously not going to say this is what's happening. Sometimes they just say, you know, press the button or not, and they'd, they'd press it and hear the beep. But they are then asked to report how long until that beep, how long from the button press to hearing the beep. Mm. And the reason this is done is because this has been previously determined to be a, um, a good indicator of a sense of control. The more sense of control a person has of their own destiny, the more accurate their sense of time. Yeah, right. Because... When they do something, I do this, the result, you know, the cause and effect, I cause this effect mm. and I am related directly to it. Yeah. So I push the button, I hear the beep, that's me doing it. When they were, um, you know, encouraged or even the researchers take their finger and push it on the button themselves, yeah. they reported hearing the beep later. But in fact, the beep was done at the exact same distance, you know, between the button pushes. Yeah, right. And... So here, they're, what they're saying is this shows that when someone is deferring to authority or has been sort of feel, felt to, that they've been made to do something, mm-hmm. they abdicate a bit of self-control. Yeah. Yeah, they don't feel like that button push and that beep, I wasn't as directly related to that beep. Mm. And so they're sort of saying there is something to say that in the heat of a moment, people will abdicate their self-control. They will, they will do an, follow an order and not feel as responsible for the outcome. Yeah, right. They've also gone on to very high issues. This actually doesn't provide that excuse of, I was just following orders, because they say it still is the choice. These people could choose not to push the button. Mm. <laughs> uh, and yeah, some of them did and some of them didn't. And, and again, it's also, you've got this experimental condition, but what they did show was that when they were sort of made to push the button or, or induced to push the button, there's quite probably a lack of, uh, yeah, they feel as if they have not been the one responsible. Yeah, right. And so in the movie, is this at all relevant? Well, I think so because we've got Nick and his dad being an experiment of control, and they from the aliens or the monster. And it is that thing when Nick is presented with the syringes, yeah. You know, everyone else has done it. So there's a bit of peer pressure, mm. but it's also his dad is telling him to do it. Yeah. And despite Nick's rebellion, his dad is still a source of authority. Yeah. The TV is saying to do it. Everyone else has done it. It's sort of like, well, this is not, he he's doesn't have that control. Yeah. It's not him doing it, it's his dad doing it. And you can bet the first defense he would make would be, 
yeah, yeah, but dad sort of made me do it. Yeah, and yeah. Go, well, no, you chose. Ultimately, you chose. Mm. And I think that's why it's not a defense, you know, to say, oh, well, someone told me to do it. I'm following orders mm. because ultimately you chose to invest in authority in that person and you chose to divest your self-control. Yeah. And and that's always their problem when I hear people say, I did such and such. I had no choice. And you go, yeah, no, you actually did have always a choice. Always have a choice. The it's options might have been horrible. And by your reckoning, all other options may have been worse. Mm. But you did have that choice. You could have just died. You could have... You know, For shot sure. someone else or shot yourself or yeah. whatever that terrible choice is. Yeah. You could have made that worse choice. Yeah. There's, a, there's that analogy I've heard, you know, like from the Buddhist or whatever saying, you know, all the military uh, weaponry, there's so many links in the chain to build a gun or a bomb. And yes. so anyone can be like, well, that's just my job. I just do the little bit of wiring. But they go, well, you could not wire it, Right. So it's it's a, that's the way I see what you're oh, talking about. And there was a <laughs> point in the Cold War where um, the Russian you know, missile silo command got the signal to mm. say launch. Yeah. And the fellow there who was responsible, his job was when that signal came up to hit the button and launch the nukes, which yeah. would end the world. Yeah. And he was thinking, well, hang on, there's 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 15 people above me. Yeah. With various fail safes that have to make that same decision all the yeah. way down to me. Yeah. And his reason when he was asked afterwards why he didn't launch the missiles mm. was not just because he didn't want to be the one responsible for ending the world. But he <laughs> said, with that many people in the chain and I'm the last one and I'm wondering if I should push the button, yeah. there must have been a mistake Yeah. because you can't have 15 people all deciding to end the world yeah, all yeah. at once. Yeah. yeah. And someone said, but, but what if that was the correct choice? He says, uh... I don't believe that 15 people would all agree that to be the correct choice. <laughs> and you're like, okay, well, that's, that's, there you go. He yeah. had that choice. He could have. He yeah, just pushed the button. He was told. Everything said, push the button. Every yeah. warning system he had said, no, nah, this is a real thing. Yeah. And he made that choice. Yeah. So if that does add a bit of Good hope that there is possibility that people somewhere will go, you know what? I'm not going to do that. That's right. That's the hope. Yeah. So there you go. There's some science that we've dug out of await further instructions. Uh, so that brings us to the end of our analysis of this film uh, for this episode. So please jump on to wherever you listen to us. Give us a five-star rating. Write a review uh, on whichever service you're listening to, whether that's Apple or Spotify or whatever. Chuck us a like or a, a, a follow or a tick or a... TikTok, yeah, worship us, <laughs> follow. I don't know what they call it on that now. Uh, tweet us, send us a mail, a letter. I don't know. WhatsApp us. I don't know how I'm going to get that. I don't know WhatsApp. <laughs> Go to our website. You can contact us that way. Make a film for the film festival. There's a whole bunch of stuff. Or just do your own thing and watch science fiction. So enjoy. Next episode is a really new one that's available on Netflix called Cosmic Sin. Mr. Bruce Willis, the one and only, is in that one. Uh, is there'll a, be another film. Will that movie be a cosmic sin? Who knows? Or a cosmic success? Wow, that's great. Oh, that I think we. Really cra- you can I think t- we should end. That. I think we should end on I that. Didn't write that one. Okay. <laughs> Take two of that. Sorry. I'll uh, see you next time. We'll see ya. Bye. Bye.